And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 56 of Down on the Docks. My name's Callie Rips, a.k.a. Chris Neff. You name your, You just give yourself a, your own nickname, I doggy? deserve it through, for what the pain I'm going through. I'm going to give you one, too. Callie Rips. Callie Rips. I don't know why. I mean, you don't smoke weed, though. Buddy, you've been calling me Callie Rips. You don't even get the <laughs> reference? No. Callie Rips is Cal Ripken, the Iron Man. Oh, shit. You called me Callie Ripken. Callie Ripken. Yeah, you're Cal Ripken and I'm Cal Ripken Jr. I forgot. Correct. <laughs> now, obviously. But Cal Ripken Jr. was the good one, right? Cal Ripken never missed a game. Cal Ripken Jr. never missed a game. Correct. So Cal Ripken was Rips, his father. I'm Cal Ripken Junes. No, I'm Callie no. Ripken Jr. So you're Cal Rip June? Yeah, Callie Rips is Cal Ripken Jr. I didn't Jr. know that, but that's pretty cool. Callie Rips, I didn't catch that. Fuck. Yeah. I should have known that. So. Short and skis. Obviously. As you know, but hold, let me finish my introduction. Okay. I'm also joined on this podcast by my co-host and producing partner, the Iron Horse, <laughs> Dave Sarah. No, that was Dave. Hello. Oh yeah. Wait. No, I was supposed to get a new catchphrase. Start again. I, which is actually mean? my own. Which is actually my old catchphrase. We're not doing a new catchphrase. No, 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 I don't no. like the new catchphrase, start, and I'll tell you. No, why. no, no. Start it. You know what it is? Yes. You already told me. You already told the Discord too. Yeah. Here, I'll let you do it one time, one but time. then we're done. Okay. Uh, also joining me today is my co-host, the Iron Horse, Dave Sarah. Sup, pussies? Not going to work. Now, uh, let me tell you no. why. Let me tell you why. Brand recognition. You already have created your own brand. Yes. Okay? Which is, hello. Now, here's the other mm. thing if I know to be true. As someone who works <clears throat> in comedy and has done so for 20 years and works blue, you know what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not out there to uh, sell uh, soap or to get endorsed by anyone, or to make a million bucks. I do stand-up on stand-up's terms because I love it. Uh -huh. I've had producers, managers, agents say, you know, Chris, if you cleaned up your act, mm -hmm. you'd go so much further in life. Mm -hmm. And I always say, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, and nobody, I'm not going to write clean for anybody. For now, here's the except, except for Brian Regan. And, they're out there, and, and they're great and guys. Seinfeld. But you can't, and, you can't change the way your mind writes. And my mind writes in a certain direction. Now, here's the thing. You want to start the show and say, sup, Fluffy. pussies. Now, here's the thing. There is one truism I know to be in comedy. Sup, pussies. <laughs> Half of your audience, 51% of them are females. I mean, it's true. On this podcast, I think it's 8%, but okay. I actually checked the demographics wow. today. It's seven. You're oh, correct. Shit. Okay, so that's according to Spotify. Yeah, now, yeah. that being said, yeah, I know yeah. most of our listeners Sounds can take a joke and probably look <clears throat> inward, but I don't want the uh, first-time casual listener nope, discovering this pod podcast and saying, because keep in mind, Dave, we aren't all Gen X like myself. We aren't all millennials. I'm a Gen Xer. You're a millennial. No, I'm not. The I was, point is Here's the thing. I wasn't a millennial when I was born. I was a Gen Xer when I was born. You're on the cusp. They, they, change, they can't change it later. They change it all the time. And it also, here's one thing I'll yeah. say. Maybe I am a millennial, uh -huh. but I have 
Gen X brothers and sisters. Uh-huh. So I got fo- both foots in both. The dogs. point is this. We're going to allow you to have your little new intro, which okay. is what? Sup, pussies. For today's I episode. I mean, I was thinking about naming a podcast, Sup, pussies. And that's what you do without me. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. What if we get a brand new listener? Uh-huh. She might be huh. uh, 18. She might be 24. Might Not be our pig. demographic, right. by the way. Our, our demographic is pig. 34 to 45. Fat. I, I'm aware of this. Yep. But we, we need to get everybody we can get sure. in. Okay. And the last thing we need is some some woman thinking, oh, my God, who opens up a podcast with sup pussies? This How is gross. <laughs> this is some high-level banter back in here, back and forth here. Well, I, love it. I understand you, you you did it. I want you... Here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Okay. Okay. You're a part of the show just as much Thanks. as I am. What I'm saying is I want you to think about what you're doing. Okay. So give it a week. And decide if you want to stay on brand, which you've created and done very Hello. well. I mean, or, both of these things are typical. These are these are both right. Davy trademarks. But do you want to tr- uh, trade horses in midstream one year into our podcast? That's it's not what war you, here. Okay, it's not war. Guys, welcome to episode. This is not fi- Afghanistan. Welcome to episode fifty-six of Down on the Docks, Valley Uprising Part Two. Now, for those of you just joining us. You got to stop what you're doing. And go watch up. Cliffhanger. <laughs> go, go watch Rennie Harlan's Cliffhanger and tell me if it's as shitty as I think it is. Uh, you need to back up to episode 55 for Valley Uprising Part 1. This documentary, Dave, as you know, is directed by Peter Mortimer and Nick Rosen. Morty! Uh, basically a climbing documentary. We went through the first half of it last episode. Of course, we talked about the genesis of big wall climbing, which was, I was a little off on my dates. It was the 50s, um, but we had Warren Harding, the rebel, Mm -hmm. who just bolted the fuck out of those walls. We had Royal Robbins, who was the the aesthetic climber that had his list of rules. We had Yvonne Chouinard, also uh, the creator of Patagonia, a very uh, well-known brand that has ethics uh, as far as uh, climate change and you know environmentalism that still stand to this day. Oh yeah, pussies. And then we s- segued into the 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 seventies mm-hmm. when the Stone yeah, Masters the Stone showed Masters. up, and we had Jim Bridwell yeah. who was climbing on acid. Uh, we we touched on a few other of those climbers, uh, Ron Kauk, uh, Lynn Hill and John Backer. And we're going to start uh, by picking it up with Lynn Hill uh, because this, just so you know, Dave, Lynn Hill is not only the world's most renowned female climber, a lot of people think she might be the best climber of all time. Now, of course, this is pre-Alex Honnold. Well, I mean... Alex has been like... She's a woman. Yeah, no. no. Alex was like, hold my carabiner. Yeah. I mean, literally hold them because I don't yeah. fucking need them. Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, if you're 120 pounds, you think that's an advantage being a little guy? There's still probably a man better at being 120 pounds in a rock climber. Oh, you're talking about her. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Lynn says a woman might feel that she doesn't need to be as good as a man. But for me, that's not true. I push myself as far as I can go. And fell many times. (laughs) uh, Do you remember That's Incredible? We've talked about it a few times on the show. When I was yeah. like five, it was the show. Okay. And uh, I want to say Fran Tarkenton was on it. A couple other... What, if, what was Tark, Tarkenton's cool thing that he did? He was the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. Took oh, him to okay. two, four, right. uh, four Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. win one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, he was known as a scrambler. He was always in the backfield, you know, just running for his life. Anyway, he was on that show. 
So we see Lynn on That's Incredible. And boy, That's Incredible was a real treat to watch as a five-year-old. Okay? Yeah. It was kind of like... Oh, there was only three channels. Yeah, you had, but you had ABC's Wild World of Sports, which yeah. was on, I want to say, Saturdays. But I believe, if I recall, That's Incredible was a network, like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock show. So... Calc I mean, says, it was still like black and white, so I mean, I don't know. It wasn't black and white. What do you mean? We had colors. When you were five, that. come yeah. on. We had, okay, we, I don't all right, that. I'm not going to lie to you. We had one <laughs> black a, yeah. one black and white. We, okay, I'm not gonna, <laughs> fucking this up. We had two black and white televisions <laughs> yes. in the house, but one was a tiny one in the kitchen, yeah. and then the black and white one was uh, in the den. So but, I, I had a fucking, I had a beast of a, not a computer monitor, a beast of a television till I was, you know, 15 years old. It was like... Literally dial. You had to like get the special oh, yeah. insert thing for the thing. It was terrible. Well, Calc says of these strong, talented climbers, um, they created healthy competition that just kept pushing you to the next level. But perhaps no st- stone master shone brighter than the Southern California hotshot, John Backer. Uh, someone says when we, we first met John, we could tell real quick this guy was serious about getting good. And when it comes to climbing and traveling, I've never seen training. I've never seen anybody even close, not even close. So they show them on those board things, those hanger board things we were talking about in the first episode. Yeah, It's fucking nuts. Okay. You're hanging on by just your fingertips. Ultimate hit cliffhanger. Is that what what the the board's called? No, no. Well, that's the the thing, the, the... Obstacle course in in oh yeah, in, yeah. We're in back Ninja Warrior Sasuke. Well, Backer they call it the ultimate cliffhanger. Backer quickly became known as a specialist in the simplest yet most dangerous form of climbing, yeah. which is free soloing. Right. So this is when wait wait, wait. who was doing that? John Backer in okay. the seventies. Okay, this is the other guy that they were talking about. Yeah, this is pre honald This is what this is what the guy who was mentioning. When he was talking about Honold, was saying he's like, "There's maybe a couple guys back in the '70s that were able to do it. Yeah. But nowadays, there's maybe a handful of the people guy's that could voice do it." That you're doing right now is yeah. John Long, who is okay. it, who was one of the uh, Stone. Can't do it. Diaphragm closes. <laughs> Sounds a lot like yeah. Alex Jones. Yeah, but he also looks like a Marine. He's yeah. the guy that wrote yeah. Cliffhanger. His John hand. Long. Did you see his fucking I hands, I dude? Yeah. They, I mean. Sausages is an understatement. Yeah. They're crazy. They're nuts. There's like there's no there's no like nerve endings on them anymore. Yeah. By the way, quick segue. Did I tell you They're about my friend out. who it's lost weird. a finger last week? Yes. So my elder, not elderly friend. She's ten, you're an elderly friend. Fuck you. She's ten years older, but she was at the uh, yeah. You're my elderly friend. Fuck you. She's at the fucking place where you get books for free. The library. Yeah, yeah, the hand. The library. That that seems like a crazy. She puts her book in the deposit box. The deposit box comes down and just slices off her middle finger. Yeah. Just like an inch. Yeah. So An inch is big. I know. That's, it's, the, but it's, that's the nail to the first the bone. Problem. First knuckle. It's bleeding everywhere. Ugh. The finger's on <laughs> the other side of the drop <laughs> box. Yeah. So yeah. she's got to be like... Ugh. Could somebody get my finger from the other side of the drop box uh, while it's squirting blood inside the library? Uh, they get her, they get the finger on ice. Somebody's got a cup of ice. They take her to the emergency room and they can't put it back on. So I'm thinking, like, wow, you guys are going to crush it with she a lawsuit. She should put a finger on dice. <laughs> I was like, you guys are going to crush it on a lawsuit. Well, apparently, yeah. these public institutions have a limit on what you can sue them for. Right. So the cap is like 200 grand. Yeah. 
Now, you brought up a good point to me. Yep. Why don't you sue the manufacturer of this Dropbox? And then you find out that this manufacturer built the damn thing 40 years ago and is out of business. Correct, which is probably the case. <laughs> so the point is they're going to be you know, spending 200 grand on medical bills. They'll probably get a 200,000 settlement and wash out even on this whole thing. So uh, point is, Something has to be happen. careful at the library. I mean, I don't understand how on earth yeah. that thing is so powerful I know. to take a finger off. I know. I mean, I unless, some jack- unless some jackass went in there and like slammed sh- it on the or, other side, or like or like or sharpened it or something. Yeah. Well, it looks like a safety deposit night box. Yeah. So my point is, could drop a man if it's just a hole. But if there's like a metal fucking yeah column bind thing, could, dude, that 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 um, that thing for the ATM machine when you when you stick in your cash or check for the deposit. Yeah. That thing has come down on my finger a couple times and scared the fuck oh, out of me too. Oh yeah, your so deposit. There's, but there's that two. To me. There's two though. Yeah. So there's the cover, which is just like it's very loose, but yeah. once it hits the end, it locks. Yeah. So if it hits your finger, it doesn't hurt. It's like there's no pressure. Feels on it. good. Well, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. But then there's another one that's that I don't think your fingers can really, really get into. Yeah. If that thing closes for whatever reason on your finger, it's done. I'm so I probably sound like a boomer. I just discovered uh, mobile deposits like a week ago. So I would wow. literally plan my day around when I'm going to the bank to deposit my checks, and now crit- I just do it from my phone. Well, for the phone, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the ATM, they've had it for a long time. No, that's my point. I was going to the ATM forever, but now oh, I just oh, take oh. the picture of right, my, right. well, yeah, my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can do it on your phone. That's pretty. It is pretty. Bank of America? Yeah. Yeah, same. Bofa, baby. Bofa. Uh, let's get back to John. Uh, a climber says, well, and first of all, you have to understand that free soloing is the most dangerous form of climbing, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. No net, no rope, no bolts. I it's mean, you in a chalk bag. I mean, if you're going to consider like those high rise climbers, like a sport, okay? Yeah. That's the only one that's different. That might be more difficult or more. We're going to talk about those guys. That's but called sport climbing. Sport climbing. Well, yeah. that sounds, that's, well, I don't think that's true. I mean, not, not no, that. It no, it is. Because no, 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 I have it written no, no, down listen, here on paper. No, no, on, it's called sport climbing. I'm not saying, I don't think that what you said is true, <laughs> that it's called sport climbing. Uh-huh. I don't think it should be called sport climbing. What do you what think I'm it saying? should be called? Uh, stupid fucking dumb shit climbing. Well, John Backer, yeah. he actually called these people that did it weenies. Um, he was like, sport climbing? He's like, it's for weenies. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. I don't know what that's supposed to mean exactly by what he means by weenies, but... He's climbing with nothing. These sport climbers, they're climbing walls on the side of mountains that have holds and they're using ropes and it got very popular in the 80s. And I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. I don't think so either. That's I'm why talking I'll about be- climbing like buildings in Russia, like these fucking idiots that who climbs buildings in Russia. Stupid Russians. What they, do you mean, like they, with suction cups and shit? No, they they just they. You're fit. talking about parkour. No, this is different than parkour. It's just it's high rise climbing. Uh huh. They literally climb the or, or a lot of times what they'll do is they'll actually go to the top floor or yeah. the highest floor, yeah. climb to the top, and then like they'll climb the ladder to the very, very top, and yeah. then they'll do like, or they'll do like some fucking pull-ups. So the couple guys die. Yeah, good. One, they, one guy died. He gets on the ledge. He's on a fucking however many story building. Yeah. He's doing pull-ups. Good. Can't get the last one. Uh-huh. He's holding it, holding it. Falls. This is what this is on YouTube, Faces of Death. Yeah, it's not Faces of Death, just YouTube. All right, anyway, let's get back to John. So you have to understand this is revolutionary at the time because the idea of climbing without a rope, I mean, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's just, wild. Again. But again, they're they're not 
Like Alex Hanold is not doing. So Alex Hanold can do the hardest ranked climbs in the world. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. The hardest. He can I do disagree. with rope. I disagree. You don't think so? Well, I know a little bit more on the subject. Okay. Well, I'm saying in my opinion, he could probably do the hardest ones can in the world do, with can rope. Can he do silence in Norway? I don't know. He could probably saying he could probably do all these things with rope is what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Oh, with rope. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. I'm saying Hanel can do all these things with yeah. rope. I don't think he can do like he's doing mid-level rock climbing Correct. feats that are long drawn out things mm-hmm. that are in his for him it's almost like a free throw for yeah, for yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, did did you give me that analogy or did somebody else? Because somebody else I heard was saying that that's what climbing is like. It's like a fr- a free throw and you do it repetition over and over and over again, you get good at it. Yeah. As opposed to just going up and slam dunking once. Right. It's, you know, or a three-pointer or like something more highly difficult. But like yeah, exactly. So like he's so like I'm not and I, I'm not again, I'm not downplaying it. Mm-hmm. But the it's just it's a completely different mindset completely different yeah it's a whole other game well you got to remember this is still in the 70s john was the first to do this so people that's fucking crazy people are like one split second you lose concentration you're fucking dead yeah but for john free soloing was the ultimate mastery of rock climbing he describes it as working on the dance you have to unite your mind and body to do it right i look at it as yeah, you become one with the rock. Um, <laughs> I'd like to become one with the rock. Too. John Long Do says, that fucking cool song he does. <laughs> whatever the, he does, the oh, New Zealand thing. The New Zealand whatever thing. The, yeah, yeah. Whatever the By the way, did you, did you see the fucking New Zealand team do that last week? To the U.S. team? No, I've seen it a bunch of times. So they get out there and they do this shit. The U.S. team is looking at them, just face expressions. Yeah. And they just pound them by 20 points. And it's like, come on, guys. Get rid of your fucking little dance. In what sport? Basketball. Oh, God. But it's like. That's so gay when they do it with basketball. I agree. Do it with soccer, maybe, but definitely for rugby. But everything else, get the fuck out of here. Well, John Long describes John as slightly unapproachable and a little arrogant. And Backer says, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm just suicidal. They don't understand what I'm doing. They have no idea. As far as I'm concerned, there is no risk because I'm not going to fall. Uh, Everything he did was methodical and perfect. According to John, he put the stone in Stone Master. So he started getting famous. Not the master? No. He started to get. Oh, by famous. the way, very quick. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just saw yesterday on Instagram a video. Of this guy's climbing, and he slips, and then he goes to catch the rope, and the rope anchor falls and breaks. Yeah, and then he falls for maybe about 10, 15 feet down back one time. Like so, he's he's facing the rock, and then and then he he comes off. He grabs a rope, he pulls back on it, and then that snaps, or whatever the anchor snaps. And they caught himself on a and ledge. And then now his back is facing the rock, yeah. and his head is facing the ground, and and the second anchor gets him, and and the guy that's on the anchor. So this guy, he's coming. Yeah, he's, Imagine, the guy's falling over. First of all, the noise he made was horrifying. Yeah. And then just thinking that the guy, like it looked like he was going to take... Him and the other guy out. Yeah. Can you imagine the stress, Fuck though, me. that that's got to be on your back once it yeah. catches? 
You know, yeah. you and I are walking around here crippled with bad backs and dosed up on muscle relaxers. Hell yeah, baby. And then I look at these guys doing that shit and I'm like, no. I mean, I god damn, I respect it, but <laughs> I imagine us in a year or two from now. Back pain? Back pain? Yeah, back pain. We're just down in pills. Uh, well, hopefully I'm not going to need surgery on my back, but they're saying it's probably a herniated disc. Uh, By the way, uh, I didn't tell us at the top of the show. That's why we're a day late. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't go to work yesterday because my back was killing me. And I basically, my back, um, I, I, I coughed and then I fell to the ground. Yeah. Now you've been around me before and seen this happen. Yeah. Uh, you we tried were, to fart. I didn't try to fart. No, you farted. I farted you forced I fell, the fart out. I didn't know. It was a normal fart. Yeah. I farted and then fell to the ground. Fell to the ground. And blew out my back. That's how I knew you weren't faking, because you wouldn't have done that bullshit in front of... No. At, at your fucking world-renowned uh, Whole Foods with yeah. all the fucking... Good eats. Yeah, yeah those Clean fucking booty, booties. Those fucking the point is, the point pants. is, nah, 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 if it, I'm sure there's some people out there that have been through this. Usually, when you screw up your back, it's the slightest thing. Somebody's like, "Hey, can I have a pencil?" And you're like, "Sure." Ah, yeah. And for me, it's farting and sneezing. Yeah. So for the last day, three days, I've been barely able to move. So we do apologize for being late. Back to the show. He does. I don't. Okay. So this is again when Backer's getting famous. He's doing commercials, um, and then. You know, they become mainstream, the Stone Masters, and it's a big shock to the whole group. Uh, but that's when the changes started happening. The lifestyle style sort of evolved from, hey, we're just having fun to, hey, let's go make a living at this. Uh, people aren't afraid to make a little money, get a dollar here, get a dollar there. Um, and one of them says it's hard when you're young because you got to keep that stuff into perspective. Lynn Hill says when you become famous, uh, let all those people put you on a pedestal. If you start believing in your own myth, that can really mess you up. So the Stone Master group started developing these professional rivalries. Um, and again, this is when sport climbing really takes off. Now, to give you an idea of what sport climbing is, because they showed this, and I missed this. This would have been in the early 90s. This is when like, you see a building, and somebody's created like a rock climbing wall on it. Yeah. And it's got holds, and it's got ledges yeah. and overhangs. There's, there's one two, like down the block from here, right? And there, but there's two people at the bottom, and it's a sprint to the top. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, it's a contest. Yeah, 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 contest, contest. Right, right. Yeah, they have it in the Olympics now. They used to not be in the Olympics. Correct. 2020 is yeah. the first year that they started it's doing. Pretty this. fucking crazy. Yeah. Although, I feel like it can be fixed so easily because you have the harnesses, and you know, like how the harnesses like. They basically, they're supposed to go up with you, but not come back down, really. Right. So I just feel like it can be totally fixed. Oh, God. I mean, they can get like a little boost. Well, Lynn describes sport climbing as a natural evolution, and these techniques allowed them to do harder and harder climbs on the most dangerous faces imaginable. Uh, But John Packer, who'd become an icon for his feats of soloing, was a harsh critic of the sport's direction. This is when he says, you know... Here come the guys who are just going to do anything to get their name in the book. And he's like, this is ridiculous. There's just too many weenies out here now. So uh, that just makes me look better. Yeah. He spoke his mind. Um, oh, you're talking about that is, those are weenies. Yeah, the guys yeah, that were sport Yeah, 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 I see. I could totally see that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I see what you mean. That's like almost like the same as like 
like if like a long distance runner going at a sprinter. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I don't, he, you know. He he basically didn't think I see I see where the animosity they, could be. He didn't think they were up to his standard. Yeah. And he was very similar to Royal Robbins. He was a purist and very philosophical about climbing, and it literally meant everything to him. So when his fellow stone masters brought sport climbing bolting tactics to the hallowed walls of Yosemite, he didn't take this very easy. Bolting tactics? Oh, like the quick, the quick pipe pitons and oh. uh, bolts oh, oh. in the walls. Oh. So he took a page out of Royal's book oh, and like... started chopping bolts. Oh, okay. And it pissed a lot of people off uh. and it got ugly. Um, one really? says, backer chopped off some of my bolts on a route I put in. And I was pissed, and I told him, if you go chopping my bolts again, I'm going to kick your ass. And he baited me, egged him on, and I punched him. <laughs> so some climber named Chapman punched Backer in the face. The Stone Masters, you know, they're all fighting amongst themselves, and it's no longer this big, happy family. Well, essentially, this fractures the group of the Stone Masters. Uh, just like the UFO community. <laughs> Move on. Nah, yeah, I mean, Mufon, Seti, oh, yeah. I, I think that a lot of Seti, these... You can't compare Seti to Mufon. Why? Because Seti's funded by the government. Exactly. Muf they're even worse. I <laughs> no, mean, I know. They're like, all retarded. Hey. All these... Which one's Mufon? The... That's the public one where you can join and uh, you is know. that you like type in where you see the sightings and shit like that? Yeah, it's just search a big group search for self-funded. Search for extraterrestrial... Whatever. Yeah. Anyway... The uh, the fucking uh, yeah, there, there's like a split between like the people who want a one world government and one that doesn't. They're like, oh, the aliens aren't gonna accept us into the galactic sun until we have a one world government. Get the fuck out of here. Well, it wasn't just the stone masters that were changing. Ten years later, times they are changing. Yosemite goes completely corporate. You know, there's wow. there's a parking lot by Patagonia with fees. <laughs> Oh, um, that's a big thing that happens in the 80s across the board. Well, and everything becomes more constricted, more refined, and more controlled. <sighs> that's fucking Reagan for you. Well, and in 1978, there were about two and a half million people that visited the park. Yeah. And the Stone Masters didn't fit into what it was becoming. Oh. So by 1980, the Stone Masters' reign was over. Oh, okay. So it's before I knew that. Actually. I mean, when was Reagan? 1980. Okay. So after so it was Nixon, what was and Nixon? LBJ maybe. Well, what? I mean, I remember, I remember oh. there was a big. Did you forget about fucking Gerald Ford and fucking Jimmy Carter? Yeah, I don't know Again, exactly. Again, Dave, with your presidential historian I knowledge, thought, first it's of all, shit. I thought uh, I thought Reagan was eighty four. He was eighty to eighty eight. He had two terms. So when was Gerald Ford? He only had two years after Nixon, so he yeah. was seventy four to seventy six. Okay, Carter so was seventy six to eighty. Seventy eight was who then? Gerald Ford? No. Uh, 78 was... Jimmy Carter. Carter, that's 76 right. to 80. Okay, so, so it was one of them in between 75 and 80, mm -hmm. or 82, 83, somebody raised all the rates in all the national parks. I remember that was a big movement. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if that was a conservative or a liberal thing. Though. Well, after leaving the Valley, the Stone Masters, they all go splinter up and they go in their own directions. Um, Jim Brid Bridwell, Mr. Acid... He took wall climbing to the high mountains. It's a pretty and, cool nickname. Yep. Established well, he was drug that he was drug climbing. I know. Drug climbing is a pretty so, cool name too. <laughs> drug climbing. He established first ascents from Alaska to Getting Patagonia. Higher and higher. He describes it as an adventure, like that was the only purpose of climbing. 
What does the word Patagonia mean? Does it mean something? Is it a place? It is must it something? Mean, yeah, it's a place is in it South America. Pl- it is actually yeah, a yeah, place. Yeah. Patagonia. So he says, Lionel Terre put it quite well when he said, conquistadors of the useless. Uh, wall climbing was something for young people to do. You know, you wake up one day and you realize you're not young anymore. Well, John Long, the Stone Masters raconteur, he went to Hollywood and spun the fabled drug plane crash into the blockbuster, which we know became, you know, a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I also did some reading. He did a lot of uh, his own projects, produced his own projects. He was a stuntman on a bunch of Stallone movies. Um, and then Backer, after he fell out with the Stone Masters, he lived outside the valley, continued to push the limits of free soloing for another 20 years. And essentially, Backer never changed who he was. So uh, John Long described... So hold on real quick. Yeah. I looked it up. Patagonia yeah. is a is a, like a, a the f- southern tip of Argentina and yeah. Chile. Yeah. And it's, and it's like the whole region, and it's split between Chile and... Uh, which is uh, Chile's the is Western Patagonia. Yeah, are you mad and, about this? And that you just learned something new. Not mad. I'm just. It's interesting how and why it's divided. Also, uh-huh. because it's near Antarctica. Yeah, and we all know the Earth is flat. The, we all know. If you're gonna speak, we all know the Earth is flat. Oh, oh, we do. <laughs> okay, that's actually two weeks from now. We're I gonna do that episode. And that's why I brought it up. So anyway, bad news. It's just weird that they gotta like they gotta have two governing bodies governing Patagonia. It's a region. Mm-hmm. So anyway, John there. Long makes a very profound statement. He says, I think Backer was one of the outstanding action sport figures of the 20th century. What Absolutely. was Backer's first name? John. Oh, John Backer. Okay. Yep. So we got some That's bad. pretty good climbing name We got too. some bad news incoming. Aw. At the age of 52, the master of the stone masters fell from a climb. No. And was gone. No. Yeah. So John fell. John Backer. Yeah. Oh. He fell on a, on a free solo and climb. Uh, on a free solo and climb? Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't remember them bringing that up. Wow. Yep. So at 52, he was doing it until? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit, Like I man. said, man, these guys could probably do it until they're <clears throat> 70 with the bodies they had. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. He had a family. He had a son, I believe. Do you think Alex will ever stop? No. he's he'll pro- If he's smart, he will. You do know? you think... But like... No. Do you believe it's in his he, DNA? Do you believe he's probably he going to go out backer style. He says that he'll stop if once he he thinks that he'll lose the passion for it and stop. Uh, I mean, Alex Honnold's what? Maybe thirty years old. He's probably at this point. He was twenty seven when that thing came out. I think that was twenty thirteen. Yeah. yeah. So he's got to be in his mid thirties now. I mean, even if he does, he's going out doing what he loves. I don't see what the problem is, <laughs> except for that last second of fear. Yeah, that's I, pretty bad. Yeah. That'll get some adrenochrome in your fucking bloodstream. Yeah, go suck that blood as soon as he hits the ground, brother. <laughs> fucking Hillary Clinton's there with the helicopter. Uh, so let's move on to Lynn Hill. She leaves California in 83, travels all over the world, uh, explored all different types of climbing. She was huge on the competition circuit, but Yosemite was always calling back to her. Well, in the early 90s, she returns to Yosemite with an audacious vision. She wanted to be the first person to make an all-free ascent of the nose on El Capitan. It's the most historic big wall uh, climb in the world, as we know, and it seemed like the best culmination of all of her skills as a climber. Well, up until now, every party that went on the nose 
from Harding to Bridwell, they had aid climbed the route, hanging on their gear to reach the top. So the next big step is, can this be free climbed? And again, free climbing is not free soloing. Free climb, what is free climbing? Free climbing is just, you don't know the path yet. And no. you're just going and you're putting in your bolts wherever you need to. No, you know the path, but you're, you're putting in bolts, but you're not, uh, you're not hanging, you're not relying on them. So you're not, they call it, I think there's a term called hang dogging where you're not using the rope to rest at all. All right. I mean, if you, and I guess if you play by those rules, I don't think it's that pussy. I mean, I still think that's pretty fucking crazy. You're just protecting yourself in case you fall. Yeah. But, but yeah. And you know what, dude? Like that shit always scared me too. Like when you, even when you know you're fucking anchored in and you're just hanging off the side of the of the thing with yeah. just your feet so that you get your arms, gives your arms a rest. Yeah. That shit is fucking nuts, dude. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I saw, Jesus. I saw some of those guys doing those knee brace things. Yeah. That where, shit's pretty cool where you just lock your knee in and you could be hanging upside down and doing this. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're giving your upper body a, a, a chance to rest yeah. and using your lower body to lock yourself in. A yeah. lot of guys on boulders do this stuff. Yeah. Or they'll stick their leg, their whole leg, up until their thigh, up until up until their thigh, into yes. like a crack somewhere. Yeah, and they'll just fucking like leg yes. chill. Yeah, <laughs> but you're doing that to give your upper body a rest yeah. and your well, back and shit. Um, Conrad Aker says, you know, free climbing the nose was a prize. All the most visionary climbers kept trying it and going after it. They wanted it, and here Lynn is, and she crushed it. So she was the first one to free climb uh, El Cap. Uh, it was breathtaking, shattering. She free climbed, free climbed the nose. She's never a free solo though. No. Have there been any female free soloists? No. Oh. Just Alex. Hall. I wonder why. <laughs> so anyway, it it obviously sent shockwaves around the world. She makes it on David Letterman. I wonder know. how many rock climbers like at this level have toxoplasmosis from cats. Yeah. Why cat shit from cat shit? For why? Because they're females. No. Why no, the men? Why would they have cat what's the- uh, because no, just toxoplasmosis has been known to like show up in in people who like drive motorcycles uh-huh. and do and oh, do extreme really? activities. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. not just weirdo cat people like me? No, I mean they could still be weirdo cat people. I but thought toxoplasmosis was just from hanging out with cats too much. It's not hanging out with cats. It's something It's, it's petting it's, them it's, too it's, much it's, and it's kissing a, them too much on the lips parasite. like I do. It's a parasite that comes from their cat shit uh-huh. that is for rats, but mm. it could affect humans also. So why would it affect climbers again? No, no. I'm just saying that like, so what they've found is that like people who ride motorcycles, mm-hmm. when they get into car, ac- when they get into motorcycle accidents, yeah. they, they look, they do an autopsy and they uh-huh. more times than not, yeah. they find that this person has not more times. Cause if from rat not, shit not, from not, the side of the road. Yeah, No, no, not more times than not. Yeah. But I'm saying that like, um, I'm going to need you to pe- cite a high some pe- pure Joe Rogan. Okay. A, Joe Rogan. a high number of people with t- that have been found deceased with toxoplasmosis. Mm-hmm. A large major, a large number of them were motorcycle accidents. Now, however, that correlates to what? Yeah. It's thought that first of all, the way it reacts in mice mm-hmm. is that like it it makes the mice unafraid of the cat. Okay. So, so it's a parasite for the cat. The yeah. parasite. Like wants the to be inside of the cat's belly. Uh-huh. It's that's where that's where it grows the parasite. Yeah. So 
when the cat shits it out, yeah, it got worms. It wants to be inside the mouse now, uh-huh. so that that same parasite can end up back inside the cat's belly. Okay, because the cat I'm with will be you. the cat will. Be, How are you connecting the so shit so to thrill, motorcycle? So thrill seekers. Uh-huh. So toxoplasmosis yeah. has been known to affect humans. In the way of being thrill seekers. Okay, but riding a motorcycle isn't a thrill seeking exercise. This could just no, no, be some, dirt bags. Some can be. Okay. Are you talking about can. like Travis Pastranas? Or are you talking about just, just like scumbag Harley meth? Dealers? Let's just say let's just say that like the statistic revolves around motorcyclists in car accidents. So Okay, so, so basically alcoholics. Maybe. I, I just, right. It's whether it's their fault or not their fault doesn't matter. Yeah. The fact that they're driving a motorcycle means they're more inclined to be more of a thrill seeker than the normal person. Okay. Now, I know it's not it's any, not it's not any some fucking yet. Asian person in Southeast Asia riding a Scooter. fucking moped that goes yeah. 30 miles an hour. Okay, yeah. that's not what I'm talking about. Interesting. But that so that's how that's the correlation I make. That like I wonder if Can rock Can you give climbing, me some raw numbers here? Like what's I mean, sure. the, no, keep, what's the percentage talking. of heart, or motorcycle drivers keep talking, that, I'll find that it. die, okay, in car accidents uh, driving their bike? That have toxoplasmosis after a postmortem autopsy. As a, well, I guess all autopsies are postmortem, but like, and why this correlation? I guess is my question. Increased. This is from 2002. Yeah. Increased risk. This is from like <clears throat> NCBI. This is from the NIH. Okay. Well, uh, well, fuck them. You're not going to trust them. I don't trust them. Okay. What's their numbers it's look pretty, like? But this is 2002 before the internet, so I trust okay. them. From back then. Okay. Increased risk of traffic accidents in subjects with latent toxoplasmosis, a retrospective case control study. You got numbers so there? parasite toxoplasmosis, Gandhi infects 30 to 60% of humans worldwide. Latent toxoplasmosis, i.e. the lifelong presence of toxoplasmosis, uh-huh. cysts, in neutral and muscular tissues leads to prolong prolongation of reaction times in affected subjects. It's it is not known, however, whether the changes observed in the laboratory influence the performance of subjects in real life situations. Hold on, and then results higher was founding traffic accidents. Yeah. Okay. So so this number is i don't know how to read this number it's kind of weird bottom line is you're saying they've done a bunch of research and motorcycles that get involved in car crashes have elevated levels of toxoplasmosis yeah the relative the lifelong versions that are not motorcycles so i guess once you get toxoplasmosis you're inclined you're more susceptible to getting these cysts or whatever that cause long term just like long covid yeah no but here let me read this real quick the conclusion my i think it's from the fucking uh the rats because bikers are dirty they're probably hanging out in rats that have fucking have cat shit breath and Hanging out so with here dirty, we go. Here, dirty very, rats. Very quickly, the yeah. subjects with the late. So this is a conclusion. The subjects with the latent toxoplasmosis have significantly increased risk of traffic accidents than the non-infected subject. Relative risk of traffic accidents decreases with the duration of infection. These results suggest that asthmatic, asthmatic, asthmatic. I don't know. Would you call me asthmatic, uh, asthmatic? I don't know. May, uh, acquired. Toxoplasmosis might, in fact, represent a serious and highly underestimated public health problem as it is. All right, so there so are, here's my point. Is there Mask like, up. It, <laughs> <laughs> is there like a fucking toxoplasmosis test you can take, like these COVID tests? 
Is this something we need to be afraid of if you're a, a, a biker? You enthusiast? for sure have it. Yeah, I know, but I don't ride a, a chopper. My point is, should we be giving people that ride uh, these bikes mandatory toxoplasmosis tests? Uh, it's, it's good. It's a blood test, antibodies. Okay. So, so again, back to COVID. Okay. <laughs> the so, moral of the story is... Toxoplasmosis might be COVID. Moral of the story is don't date people on bikes. Yeah. Because they probably fucking, have tumors from fucking cat shit yeah. that a rat ate. Yeah. I think it's just because they're dirty people. Yeah. Okay. I agree. All right. Let's go. All right. Let's keep going. So anyway, uh, you have to remember this event brings so many more people. This is Lynn climbing the nose that everybody starts going to Yosemite. And there's a big fl uh, flush group of people coming in in the 90s. This is okay, 90s now. Okay. Yeah. And so what year did uh, our boy our boy die, John Backer? The I don't have the exact year. Okay, uh, I'll find it. I I have it in my notes. We'll get to that at the end because okay. we are going to do a where are they now for some of these guys. <laughs> so that's kind of an asshole thing to yeah, do. Yeah, we know where, where are they is. now? Well, John Backer died yeah. in the nineties. So you have this new influx of climbers. That's nice um, coming in, and you know they the wanted North Facers. They wanted to be where all the greats, uh, yeah. had been. These were their all heroes, the Californians. And they want to create their own legends. Yeah. So you have this uh, revival in the Dormant Valley. And a group over the next 15 years would keep cutting edges of modern climbing in a homage to the previous generation. Well, they call themselves the Stone Monkeys. Yeah. Okay. Rogan. So you have the original group. They didn't have a name. And then you had the Stone Masters. And then the evolution is the Stone Monkeys. And then it's the... And then it turns into like the monkey something. Well, uh, Dean Feidelman says it's going off right now. The new generation is bolder and the wildness is back. So we see a pictures, some pictures of these guys. Uh, Arsgard uh, describes them as uh, wall pirates, full time vagabonds. <laughs> you see a guy. I you know see a guy. He's like you are. You see a guy like oh, a half sandwich pulling it out of a garbage can. He's like. Smelling it. Oh, sweet. That's a fucking good sandwich. Oh, my God. But at the same time, these are the best rock climbers in the world. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Caldwell. It's just a fucking sandwich in the trash. Tommy Caldwell, who we're going to discuss uh, on the Donwell with his partner, who didn't, you didn't like me calling him partner. Yeah. Don't call me your partner. Um, he says, I mean, I've spent the years of my life up there grabbing these minuscule edges, jumping between holes, taking huge falls. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I love this shit. Well, the Stone Monkeys, they're world-class athletes in their own right. They're pushing it, and they're a bunch of misfits. And anybody that wants to go up on a big wall and shit in a paper bag is a particular kind of person. Yeah. you <laughs> Take a shit in a paper bag? Why yeah. would you? Why would you even have to take a shit in a paper bag when you're rock climbing? Just take a shit on the floor. What are you talking about? You're up on a wall. What are you going to do, climb back down and take a shit? I guess you don't want to shit on the people below you. Yeah. No, but you just hang off the edge. We've talked about this in the yeah, last episode. That's what I'm saying. Why you just can't hang do off, this shit? You just hang off the edge and shit. You don't have to shit in a bag. Well, you do in a bag if you respect the aesthetic nature of climbing. No. Bears, one of, bears shit in the woods. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You, yeah it doesn't matter. It's a rule. You shit in the bag. You shit in the. You shit in the. You don't, you don't shit over the ledge. You just let it hit somebody in the. Yeah, or a. You know. Yeah. You I shit. Mean, you have to. You have to bag it. It's go in with it's the, the rules. Yeah, it is it's the law. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
All these guys have a problem. <laughs> no shitting on the wall. Yeah, and I don't blame them. Who wants to be fucking making a big move and, oh, you know, for going from a pitch and fucking putting your finger on or a fucking using, log? Using pinch, huh? Anyway, pitch. Pitch, pitch using pitch. Huh? Uh, but these guys, pinch a pitch. these guys are experiencing near-death events on a daily basis. And we see them, dude. They're constantly falling. One of them is on a skateboard on a rock wall that's got a ledge. And he rides a skateboard off into it and then parachutes down. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that was par- that parachuting stuff scares me, man. We're gonna get to this. Parachuting is fucking scary. Let's get man. to the stone monkeys, 1998 to present. So the era of the stone monkeys began when a six foot five New Hampshire native Dean Potter stormed into the valley. Well, Potter says I was intimidated at first. The walls are so big and you know, unattainable. I was overwhelmed with just surviving here, cleaning out the underside of a boulder and making it my home. Camp four was filled with people living on the fridge. Well, next we see him base jumping. Living on the fridge? Fringe. Fringe. Yeah. So we see him base jumping. So he's like, it's pretty impressive if you've never seen this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Potter says it was all about the now. Enter into the freak show and be free. Yep. And then all the squirrel suits came into play. Well, before that, Dean starts doing amazing solos that's yeah. making everybody jealous. He free was, solos. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's free soloing. Wow. He was one of the biggest risk takers. He was willing to strip it down further than anybody else. Uh-oh. When he said it was. Oh, boy. I didn't want to tip it to you. Oh, boy. But uh, Dean ain't going to be with us much longer. <sighs> How uh, did he die? We'll get there. Okay. So somebody describes Dean as a silverback monkey. I don't know if that's a racial slur. Kind of sounds like it is. Is the guy black? No, he's white. Well, what the fuck? How can he be a racial slur? I, I just, I always hear silverback monkey and I think racial slur. Am I wrong? No, only when I hear it towards a black person. Okay, got it. So That seems racist, what you just thought in your brain to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not that familiar when it comes to the term <laughs> silverback yeah it's an actual gorilla okay i believe there's you. no such thing as a silverback monkey i know we had this discussion when we did the show with the monkey bitch remember <laughs> that's fucking that's a classic not jane goodall but yeah. uh it is jane goodall she's nah, the monkey there's two monkey bitches there was jane goodall oh yeah there's diane no. the one they made the oh. movie about yeah no but no the one they made the movie about jane goodall no Oh. They made the gorillas in the mist was the monkey bitch. Yeah. That's not Jane Goodall. That was Diane. What's her name? That's who I was talking about was Jane. Well, Goodall. You were wrong because that wasn't Jane Goodall. That was Diane. Somebody. So what did Jane Goodall? She studied, she studied monkeys yeah. and chimps. That's, what I, that's who I meant. No. Mon- we were talking <laughs> about like we were not even talking about monkeys at the time. We were talking yeah. about something completely different. Right. We were talking about like like it was it was one of the it was like one of the secretaries of state you were actually mentioning or oh. something. And somebody. And, and I said Jane, and then I brought up Jane Goodall, the mo- or like no, or like we were talking about something else. Anyway, whatever. How do Continue. we remember? Any I don't even stuff. remember. I don't remember last week's. Anyway, um, so Dean shifts his focus to speed climbing, okay, which means getting up the wall as fast as yes. humanly possible. I saw some videos of these dudes in the '90s in that Alex Hanold sixty minutes, and this dude is ripping up the hit up up the fu- life rips no he's ripping <laughs> ripping up the rocks dude what like you did there bapa he's ripping up these rocks and it could be the camera angle like, or whatever but like this shit looked 
deep as fuck. It wasn't vertical. Right. But it was pretty fucking Well, I want to give you some perspective. Sure. When I need it. When Harding shot up the nose of El Cap, uh-huh. took him 18 months. You know what shot up my nose? All right, let's go. <laughs> took him 18 months. Yeah. More Royal Robbins, he trims it to one week. Okay, and right. And then eventually Jim Bridwell gets it down to a day. Right. Well, when the monkeys joined the race, records started dropping insanely fast. Yeah, yeah tell because Potter, they know, but they already know the routes. They already are, well, it's years later. They're not pioneers anymore. Of course, they're going to break records. Records are made to be broken. That's a that's the definition of being a pioneer, breaking a record. No, creating the record, setting the record is the pioneer. So Set what are the these record. guys doing? They're breaking records. Okay. Well, anyway. But on the backs of giants. Okay. So anyway, they topped out at two and a half hours. Wow. Yeah. And then Hanel did... Uh, did Tough um, to judge. I it, think he did it in four hours. He did it right? in like three and a half, but I don't know if he climbed the nose. I don't know if it's the nose that he free climbed. So I don't want to lump know. him he into did, this category. No, he did right half now. dome and he did El Capitan. Okay. So I don't know where the nose is. Where's the nose? The nose is... Like its own route? It, the nose is the the corner of El Cap. Well, then he did it because that's the crux and the biscuit. I think you're just saying words. No, that's... You just sound like you're, you're making shit up. That's what the gravelly dude in the video said. It's the crux and the biscuit. It's the part where you have to climb over the overhang the, it's it's the it's the hard part where you have to go fast you know, Dave, you can't sometimes go it's okay not to know everything okay anyway Let's, i'm gonna look it up but all keep right going. so he's flying up this thing um it was a call out that a bolder more mad generation had arrived in the valley well next potter climbed both al capitan and half dome in a day alone uh potter says speed solo was the new way of climbing uh, faster and more efficiently than anybody else. Someone else describes speed climbing as a gladiator sport, doing whatever it takes, pulling on gear by any means to get up the wall as fast as you can. Uh, Potter says, I have a little piece of rope with me, but primarily I free solo the walls. Well, Dean was, um, for the first time in a while, really taking Yosemite climbing in a new direction. He was doing things no one had ever done before. While Dean was making the headlines, an impressionable kid from Sacramento named Alex Honnold was discovering the sport climbing Fuck in yeah. indoor gym. So we do meet Honnold in this documentary, and we're going to speak, uh, you know, a lot more about Alex in uh, Free Solo, which we'll cover down the road. But Alex was at the gym; he becomes obsessed with climbing, and uh, he got addicted to climbing magazines. He's watching videos. And as he's growing up, he sees Dean Potter and he sees Dean soloing the nose and half dome in a day. And at the time, it was his biggest influence. So Alex dropped out, he hits the road and he starts coming to Yosemite to test you know, himself against these previous generations. His goal was to be as good as Dean Potter, basically. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people describe him as a dorky kid when he shows up. Bad haircut, big ears, and, you know, kind of like puppy dog and Dean Potter. Um, you know, uh, voice. No, he did not free solo the nose. Who? Alex Hanold. Yeah. He sold sold the Northeast Free Rider, right? Of Half Dome and the the big wall. It's called the big wall of, of, of El Capitan. Right. And, According to recent articles, uh-huh. 
Alex Hanoldum might have retired from free soloing no. recently. He took the money from Hollywood? Due to being a new father. Uh, that good. And That's fine. He's, he's actually, get this, he switched to sport climbing. That's fine. Speed climbing. Maybe that was these other people's problems. Have a kid. Maybe have some responsibility. These are just um, these are just allegations. Allegations. We don't have anything confirmed. Nope. All right. Well, obviously. Yeah. Northwest face of Half Dome. And yes. Yeah. So he didn't actually. So that's that route is considered. I like it when you help around here. High grade is Red Point five one four D. That's Buddy, the hard part hold of the your nose. Tongue. We're gonna get to Red Pointing. That's well. That's that's what. That's what. That's the highest grade he's done. Oh no, bouldering. Yeah. Anyway, go, good job. By the way, it's, we don't talk about this. Bouldering is some of the toughest climbing there is. They actually refer to boulder as problems. Yeah, so Alex actually does this really crazy boulder that has no handles on it. That's why handles. Boulder, yeah, Alex handles. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no handles on the boulder. There's never a handle on a boulder. That's what I'm saying. That's why <laughs> bouldering is difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like on rock faces, you yeah. have places to grab onto. Right, right, right. On granite and limestone right. and shit like that. But like with the boulders, when they're rounded off like that. Yeah, some of the boulders that I was researching, they have some of the highest uh, ratings yeah. out there. And it's like, and they're very short, yeah. extreme case, uh, uh, routes. Correct. Well, let's look at the juxtaposition here. We have Dean, who's this long-haired badass rebel, and then Alex, the clean-cut square. He wasn't hero material. But as soon as he put on his climbing shoes, it's like Clark Kent becoming Superman. Yeah. So he makes a huge impact. Uh, he sleeps and eats climbing. Yep. He's a student of Yosemite history, and uh -huh. he wants to be a part of the lineage. So on oh, the nose of El Cap, he teamed up with Dean, partner, Dean Potter's longtime speed climbing rival, Hans Florin, and they smash Potter's record. So he trims it down to two hours and 23 minutes. Sick. Not free solo. No, just free climbing. Yeah. And where Dean had climbed both El Cap and Half Dome in a single day, Alex up the ante and added the 2,200-foot Mount Watkins into a day. So Honnold says, I definitely had an advantage coming after Dean. You know, he's already broken the ground. This is what you're saying. I see your point, Dave. Uh, the, um, the, um, the impossibility of it's gone. Once you know it can be done, you just climb harder. Yeah. Well, climbing alone in a continuous push through the day and night, Alex Honnold scaled Yosemite's three biggest walls in 18 hours. You have to also consider when you're first going up, mm -hmm. not only are you mapping things, mm -hmm. but you're mapping it and having to constantly reroute. So you're testing different things, also different handles and footings. Like once you know the route route, Figuring out the handles and the footing is so much easier and much more less time consuming. Right. So like the time is like so not handling. They're called holds. Okay. Anyway. Hand holds. Anyway. So um he makes it to the top of that third climb. There's a huge crowd waiting for him. Sick. And just when he gets to the top, he just kind of hops around from place to place. And I see him doing that, and I'm like, there's no way I would be that comfortable just hopping from rock to rock to rock at the top. 
Yeah. That shit scares the fuck out of me. Right? Just how they're so casual at the top. I know. You're like, you're fucking, you're, you just finished the fucking 3,000 foot climb and yeah. then you died yeah. hopping from one What if you come down and like twist an ankle and, and just uh, fucking tumble uh, down? Yeah. So um, we see him uh, hundreds of feet in the air on these uh, these vertical walls. It's a very famous shot. It's that shot that was the National Geographic where he's standing, standing on the ledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, the dude. The it's not fucking fun to watch. Yeah. And, you know, Lynn describes Alex as, as amazing. He's taken free soloing to a whole new level. He started with what Backer did and just kept going. I can't believe some of the things he does. Uh, a lot of climbers describe it as things he's soloing Backer could never have dreamed about soloing. Well, Alex says, my soloing in Yosemite is an outgrowth of what Dean was doing before me and what Backer was doing before him, just a little bit harder and a little bit bigger. Well, Lynn even admits he the things he does make so me wait, uncomfortable. Dean, Dean was the one that also we're going to find out that died? Yes. Okay. So she says, I'm uncomfortable watching him, uh, but you have to respect his vision. And Honnold says, there's definitely a degree of mastery in soloing. I mean, it's definitely like the final exam. Are you solid on this? Do you feel comfortable in this position? Are you able to do this? Boy, you got to ace it. Yep. Part There's of no room for errors. Keep in mind, he's free climbed all these things before he soloed them. A hundred percent. So it's hundreds of times. Correct. Probably. Correct. And they aren't and they're mid grade. Again, we got to. Okay, but mid grade on I know. the dome and El Cap I know. ain't going it's down an, to your fucking rock wall at the gym I get it. for a half hour. The climb isn't difficult. The endurance is difficult. And when I say not no, difficult, not the endurance, the mental acuity you need to have focused. I, I consider that endurance. Okay. Okay. Because you have to like you have to be able to breathe and you have to be able to make sure you don't panic. Anyway, that's all in our endurance. He says part of the appeal of soloing is just the physical challenge, like the fact you have to climb well to make sure that you don't fall off. Then part of it is just being in the position of being a tiny little dot on a huge ocean of rock. You're totally by yourself on this big, uncaring face. The challenge is to feel in control enough that even though you're in a very dangerous position, you can enjoy the experience. Yeah. Fuck that. That's 400 Alex Hannels, basically. I mean, the amount he climbed, right? 400, 400 times five, six, five. I mean, between five foot and six foot. I don't know. Okay. I just, the reason I'm saying this is they literally pan the camera back while he's doing this, and it's just sheer vert. Yeah. And you can't even see him when he's like, no. oh, I'm a little dot on the wall. Yeah, no. So, anyway. Potter began know, exploring new boundaries of gravity and risk. So he took the classic camp four activity of slack lining um, in camp that Chongo taught him. That's just when you're walking on, you know, a slack line, a couple inches off the ground. Okay. And he elevated it to a death-defying aerial art form. Ah. So what he does is he starts highlining but two massive rocks, not unlike our friend Philippe Petit from Man on a Wire. Can't remember the episode number. El Petiti. This but, is like some fucking Canadian shit. Do you ever hear those? Do you ever hear when you were doing Just for Laughs? Do you ever hear? Abatiti. No, I don't. Oh, Abatiti. It's Abatiti. It's like some French-Canadian shit that all the comedians do. 
News to me. The point is, he's highlining hundreds of feet in the air between rocks. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. My favorite is... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. My favorite is is, is when Alex is climbing through some moisture and water. Yeah. And he then he's like, he's on, he's just, he's holding at three points, his right leg, his left hand, and his right hand. And then he takes his left foot and he dries his foot off on his leg. It's nuts. It's fucking nuts, yeah. dude. And he's doing it in a button-down shirt. I know. Did you notice cool. that? That's he's doing it in cool. a fucking like, button-down. He's like, I got to look good doing this. He's doing it in a button-down, short-sleeve button-down, yeah. dude. He what looks like a fucking... going on, he, Yeah, he, he looks like a gomer it's young he did, parent. Yeah, he, like probably he probably would have done it shirtless, I'm assuming. Every other time I've seen him climb, it was he was shirtless. Um, well, here's the thing. Potter is slacklining between two massive rocks. But remember when we covered Man on a Wire and Philip Petit is out there and yeah. he's got his, he has his rod to balance with? Yep. Dean's not doing that. So he is up in this massive rock formation. Yeah. I'd probably say it's 150, 200 feet in between the spire to the rock. Whoa. But he's just going out there with his toes with no balance beam. Uh. So he's literally slacklining without any sort of support and we see him start going out and all of a sudden he falls no and it's literally like the scene in cliffhanger no he catches himself on the fucking slack line oh and then then he just marine corps goes straight back to the edge marine corps it back yeah he does the leg he does the the bottom climb correct this is what stallone did uh, when he dropped Michael Rooker's girlfriend in, cl- in Cliffhanger, Jesse, the yeah, girl. Yeah. I think her name was Jesse. Yeah. But he went out there and did that. So, so actually, you know, the, the actual way to do it is on top. Yeah. So it's like you're on top of the rope. Oh, you're a slackliner? Slack, no, no, no. When you're, when you're, okay, whatever they call the, whatever they call that shimmy on, for the Marines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's you have you know the way the obviously the the way that you've always seen is you have one leg up mm-hmm. and you're you're hanging upside down like yeah. a sloth you yeah. got one leg on the line and you're just shimmying like this when you're bringing your hand one hand in front of the other one yeah the way you're actually supposed to do it is you put is you put like your the bat you learn this in the fucking Boy Scouts no and the, my brother was a Marine it's hard to explain ro- ro- it's a it's a rope technique you do it on top you're actually on the on top of the very thin rope sure but you have your fucking you have your the the top of your the top of your toes yeah. on your shoe are hooking the are hooking the top of the rope behind you got it so you've got one leg up behind it and you got your other leg to balance you and you kind of hang to one side and you shimmy forward while you lay down and then if you start to rotate and fall, you have your leg, your left leg to, yeah. to or your right leg to catch you. And then you go back to shimmy underneath because it's supposed to be quicker. But go on. Interesting. Sorry. Well, Dean says, I see what I do as a picture. I look up at the wall or I see the space between the formations and I want to enter that. And I kind of get a flash or a picture and then I live it. I'm trying to do something different. Be creative. Find ways to go towards my fears. And we see him make it across. And then, of course, he's just screaming and happy and thrilled that he did it. Uh, He continues, Yosemite's such a power spot, power place, the perfect rock and the perfect light and the huge walls. It brings out the best in us. 
Like it brings us beyond what we thought was possible. The stone monkeys, we have one thing in common, a love or a passion for this place. Well, the monkeys are not the only ones in love with Yosemite. These days, there are now 4 million tourists visiting the park each year. Now, they, I didn't know any of this, but they show like these massive trams with people on them, and it looks like Disneyland almost, huh. like tour guides driving them around. And huh. Yosemite Valley is... Oh, like, but like with wheels, not on... Yeah, 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 yeah. But Yosemite Valley at this point's grown into a, a small city. There's hotels, there's restaurants, there's gift yeah. shops. Yeah. There's a courtroom and a jail. Yeah. Um, but all these people are competing for a space in a valley less than a mile wide. Well, Dodger Stadium has a jail. Yeah. Well, so does Philadelphia Stadium. So, to <laughs> well, have dr- you been in there? No, it's just one. I think it was the first stadium that had a jail because okay. Philly fans are scumbags. Let me tell you one story about yeah. Philly fans real quick. Yeah. Philly fans are such pieces of shit. You going to talk about the Santa story? That No. That oh. two years ago, a grown-ass man yep. tackled an 11-year-old boy on the cement and nearly gave him brain damage literally only because he was wearing the opposite team's jersey. Well, don't forget the same thing happened at Dodger Stadium. That's right. That, you know, two, Do- two fake Dodger fans beat the fuck out of Oh, they were fake? I mean. Oh, I see what you're you saying. You wouldn't do that yeah, if you're a real Dodger fan. But those are real Birds fans. Yeah. Well, just to give a you A child. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Yeah. Um, they'll be like, "Well, how big was the kid?" Well, basically what the park has to do at this point is they institute a policy which limits each visitor to a total of seven camping days a year. So at this point, we huh. yeah, we meet park ranger Jesse McGahee. He's kind of a cool dude, young kid. But that doesn't include, that means to register your name under it. Not yeah. like, not like if, somebody, if you use somebody else's name, obviously you can be in the party. But if you get popped, you no, know, you got to... Well, can't be. I'll explain. Really? It's so that bad. Here's how it works. From May 1st through September 15th, <laughs> campers in Yosemite, regardless of where they're camping, can only stay seven days. So for most tourists, a week visit is enough. But for climbers, this camping, uh, the limits on this camping are an existential threat. So, you know... One of the climbers says, "Is that why Alex parks correct, outside?" Correct. Holy We're gonna get to this. Shit. Yeah. No so kidding. Seven days. You can barely get your feet wet in seven days. And Honold says, "If you're going to do big things in Yosemite, you have to be there for longer periods of time." Uh, Dean says, "You got to put years into these walls." Uh, so another climber says, "If you want to be a Yosemite wow. climber, you have to break that one week rule." So. Those that wish to stay longer have to do it illicitly, sleeping hidden among the boulders. Uh, we meet a climber named Aaron Jones, and he says, because I can't stay in Camp 4 for more than a week, I just want to climb all the time, and this is my home. I just live here in the boulders. Um, their illegal status has put climbers and rangers in conflict, as you can rightly imagine. Oh. So the rangers have to enforce this regulation, and a lot of times they're not lenient. And it's become a cat and mouse game between the rangers hunting down the climbers. So the rangers have tasers and night vision. And at two in the morning, they'll put a flashlight in your eyes and kick you out. So Yvonne Chouinard, one of the legendary guys, says, you know, the rangers have gone from having a degree in biology to having a degree in marksmanship. I mean, that's bullshit. We see a training video of the rangers. And they have staffs. 
You know, like when they practice like uh, self-defense and they're in those sumo wrestling outfits. Yeah. The Rangers are there with staffs just beating these guys. Bows. Yes. Sick. So, you know, Potter says, I understand, but I don't like it when I'm not free. You know, I kind of get in your face. And then we see some of the Rangers, you know, they're going up to climbers and the climbers are filming them and they're like, turn off the camera. And they're like, turn off the car. What, what are you pulling me over? And he's like, you didn't yield. And he's like, yeah, I did. Stop harassing me. So anyway, the stone monkeys, they're trying to live like the stone masters did. But the problem is you can't do it anymore because of these the man. Lives. It's yes. the man. So um, in an effort to buck the system, the monkeys began to rally around an unlikely leader. It is time to meet Charles Tucker a.k.a. Chongo Chuck. You know what uh, Chongo means in Spanish? No, what? Or it might be Portuguese. It means monkey. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting because yeah. this guy... Looks like a monkey? Nah, he just showed up like 20 years ago at the camp and never left. Yeah. So... Just like a... <laughs> just like, just like, a monkey. like a monkey. Like a monkey. What kind of monkey, Chris? <laughs> silverback monkey, Dave. Yeah, silverback. <laughs> so anyway, this guy is like the guru of the camp. This, again, remember how we have this conversation every now and again when you like run into a homeless person and they tell you you're God and someone's like, dude, I've met God. Yeah. And you're like... I know plenty of acid really trip. Exactly. <laughs> they met God. Yeah. They see it. They so, see Jesus. Chongo is the ultimate dirtbag survival master. Yeah, he's probably smelly as oh, shit. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. He's a good-looking dude or no? Dude, he has the most amazing eyes. What a fucking faggy thing to no, say. No, I'm serious. Like, you look at this guy, <laughs> and he's mesmerizing. Yeah. And that's probably part of his charm. Yeah. But he teaches... that thousand-yard stare. Totally. But they teach... He teaches... That's what you need for rock climbing. This guy's not a climber. He just hangs oh. out of camp. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So the, this is who they rally around. Correct. Because they're like, he's like, hey, you know, he's, he's not one of us, but we could sure use his kind. They describe Chongo as an almost adventure Yoda or something. Huh. He teaches them how to outmaneuver the rangers. <laughs> he okay. teaches them where to sleep and not get caught. Okay. He teaches all these people how to live under the radar. Yeah. So um, Chongo says the monkeys showed up, and I was teaching them all these tricks about how to make it the richest adventure you can. Yeah. So it was Chongo who taught newcomers about slacklining. He taught Dean how to slackline. And slacklining, as you know, is... Just two points. Right, but you're like just a couple feet off the ground. Oh. And they show Chongo slacklining, and he's referred to as the godfather of slacklining. Such a hippie-ass fucking thing to do. He would say, ah, oh, if I can slackline, you can slackline. Some crazy core strength. Well, it gets better. He okay. also authored books on everything from big wall climbing to theoretical physics. Which, so, so two things he knows nothing about. Well, he pulls out this book and he says, this is my opus, The Homeless Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. Wow. Well, you see the book is subtitled, Why Life is According to Quantum Theory. Okay. This guy's a deep thinker. Yeah. Well, he shared... Deep bullshitter, sounds He like. also shared his secrets to a free breakfast at the Yosemite Lodge. <laughs> yeah, because... Quantum physics, free breakfast is very close to being. What the same do you thing. think the free breakfast at the Yosemite Lodge would entail? You walk in, yep, 
You pretend like you're sleeping there. Right. And you get breakfast. No, it's saltines, mustard packets, and butter. Oh, oh. Well, that's okay. Well, <laughs> One that, climber well, hold says. Hold on here. Hold on yeah. here. Hold on here. Okay. So I see with this guy. I thought, okay. Never He's mind. a hippie. I thought we're talking like how to get a free breakfast from a place that serves breakfast. Yeah. And I guess technically they probably do serve. Well, where is it from? The Lodge. The Lodge. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they do serve breakfast probably, but that's how you get the free breakfast. Well, one climber. eating the breakfast. One climber stoked. He's like 10 butter packets on a piece of bread. That's a thousand calories in butter. Dirtbag survival 101. You do these things. You don't have to spend any money and you can stay here all year. Well, Chongo says rock climbing, slacklining. Those are paramount. There's only one time that you're going to be young and get out there and do the things that people wish they would have done and once they're too old to do because that's what life's about. It's about living it. He's right, by the way. I'm inspired watching this dirtbag. Yeah. And I'm now like, first, what you got to do is you walk into the lodge lobby. You're back to the free breakfast. You ask them, do you have a water fountain? Right. They say, sure. The water fountain is down this way. You go innocuously get the water fountain. You have to scope out to when these people are going to be working. If Sally is there, yeah. you can't go get the butter packets. Don't ever go the same time twice in, in two days. Make sure that you space out the times that you do it. These are all his... These are how he gets his... This is Chongo speaking. This is, yeah. Chongo well, speaking. I, I, I can relate to this a lot because when I was on the road, especially in Europe, I would always make the most out of a continental breakfast that these hotels would you know put out. Yeah. And I would literally fill my pockets with sandwiches because I didn't know where I was going to eat the next day. So I would always have two full sandwiches that I made and wrap them up and put them in my pockets. Now, part of that is being broke, but also part of that is because you don't really know where you're going to be. Correct. You don't know where you're going to end up. And you said how drunk you're going to be. Exactly. And how much coke you have left. Right. And then more importantly, you might not have a pillow, so you might need that sandwich to put your head down on at night. Have you slept on a sandwich before? I've slept on sandwiches before. Some guy, remember that? I don't know if you ever saw Little Giants, but there's that scene. Where uh, the fat one has a has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in his helmet. So when he takes when he gets hit hard, they think he's bleeding, but it's just a PBJ. Dude, I remember being on the road in Canada, and I was on a drug bender for a while. And I looked at the person I was performing with because it was like one or two in the morning. And I go, "Where are we sleeping tonight?" And he looked at me and he goes, "I have no idea." Nice. And we ended up sleeping on these Barca lounger chairs in somebody's house but when we went in it was dark okay Okay. and there were dogs barking Ah. and then in the morning when i turned on the light there were probably 25 piles of dog shit all around us that i miraculously (laughs) managed to avoid (laughs) and then i'm like uh can i take a shower and he's like, yeah, man, help yourself. And I go in there. There's dog shit in the shower? There's dog shit. No way. In the bathroom. Oh. And I looked at the shower and I was so fucking disgusted. <laughs> Fuck. And I was like, I don't have anything to dry off with, so I'll drip dry. But, you know, like there was one towel that it looked like it had been there for like seven years hanging <laughs> on the fucking thing, dog shit on the Dude. floor. And I just remembered this is what it's all about. You got to go for it when you're young and enjoy yeah. the ride. Dude. I didn't know that keeping your towel yeah. 
like on a towel hanger is for a like death trap. For like, no, no. I'm saying like it's so common that people leave their towels on those towels for yeah. week it's, plus. Dude, we might have been over this. I, yeah, I don't okay. know, man. I'm That's one, crazy. I'm dude. one towel, one shower. That's it. And That's, I shower twice a day. So that, I do a lot of laundry just okay. to get through the week. But it is a luxury that you can afford once you become an adult. Yeah. But my dad, I remember, he was like, that towel should last you a week. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. If you get to the point in life where you have enough laundry detergent money, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? I can pay the water bill. Yeah, I could pay the water bill. It's not going to kill me. You're right. And I don't think it's unhygienic to use a towel more For, than once. No, no, it's not. I don't think so either. And like, I've, believe me, I've done more than a couple of days before. Yeah. But my, my move is use the towel dry myself off, hang it on the towel, on the shower thing, just on the shower on That's the edge of it. That's a death trap. You Why? do not put it on the shower. Why? Because no, no, of the, the mildew. But just on the outside. Well, no, no, no. I get it. I get it. Because no, of soap, it. scum, and mildew. I get it. You use the towel rack I get always. It. I get it. So whenever I'm in a person's house and I see that towel hanging over their shower, yeah. I'm like, dude, so what are you doing? But see, that, see, that is only now to dry my hands mm -hmm. <clears throat> or when I wash them. Or that towel's not going back on your balls is what you're saying. Well, if I take a if I take a rare second shower during the day, yeah, I will use that same towel. No. But then it's immediately going on the floor to be the floor towel. Okay, here's the but thing. hold on, buy a bath mat. No, you no, no. To, you can be an adult. I hate bath mats. Okay, those are disgusting. Not if you wash them. But the washing washing those is so much more tedious uh -huh. and like because they got to go in by themselves they got to go in by themselves and yeah. sometimes they tatter yeah and then but also so i just i use the sh the towel from the day before mm -hmm. and lay that on the floor gotcha so you got so, a, you got a system i got a system but it the point is good. you know you you take a towel the top half is for the top half of your body the other half is for the bottom half of sure. your body if you put that towel back up and use it at night, how are you going to remember which part is the bottom part and which part is the top part? You could, if you, you could remember. Well, here's the point. But it, I don't really care that. I can I can dry my balls in my face oh, with the same towel. It does, I can't, that I can't does, do that. That's, like, it's, that's not but that But you're like thinking deal. like, oh, it's been 12 hours. It's dried off. That ball part's not going to no, matter on my face words. anymore. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, don't, I, I don't get that crazy about my balls. All right. Let's get back to Chongo. So he is their Chongo, spiritual. Chongo, my balls on your face <laughs> and the rangers decided they're going to make an example out of chongo so he'd been dwelling in the shadows for years the guru of the dirt bags and he'd worn out his welcome with the park officials they declared chongo chuck had lived in yosemite long enough so the rangers tasked themselves with hunting chongo down you gotta um, always be just like a crackhead i was i gotta always be moving but trying to convict Chongo of something, anything, they followed him, but they can't find him. Uh, he, they'd stake him out at night. Uh, they had infrared glasses, but there's nothing. Find <laughs> he knows how to blend. He's been in the <laughs> fucking like, valley for blend 20 in, years. Disappear. You won't, with a six month head start, you will never see him. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> he speaks a hundred different languages. Oh, been to a million different, whatever. Uh, it's Indiana Jones, Jones. and the Last Crusade. Yeah, 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 By yeah. the way, one of the best touches of comedy <laughs> in that film because the next scene, it's like, <laughs> hello, hello. hello. <laughs> Does anybody speak English here? Can or anybody, possibly Latin? Can anybody tell me how to get to Marrakesh? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you gotta love it's that great scene, dude. So anyway, <laughs> he, they can't fucking find him. Blend in, 
disappear. He, Sorry, go on. Or he'll walk so slowly in the woods, you know, he knows how to escape these guys. So anyway, Chongo was just sort of endlessly slipping in and out of trees and bushes and disappearing. So the rangers, they had a file on Chongo and they amassed hundreds of pages of information on him. He's got a whole dossier. <laughs> the, the Chongo dossier. One of the climbers says, I probably lo- better than the steel one, dad. <laughs> I've looked at the police reports and these guys crossed some sort of freaky line into trying to bring Chongo Chuck to justice. And the Rangers, according to the file, noted that he was a master of counter surveillance. Um, So after a year long manhunt, the Park Service built a case against Chongo and they bring him into court because, you know, they've got their own courthouse there. And the climbers all filled the, the courtroom. And every day of the trial is just full of dirt bags. And they said it smelled really bad in there. Not because of Chongo, but because of all the dirt bag climbers. So they got a judge, and his words were, Mr. Tucker, your tenure here in Yosemite has come to an end. And Chongo says, I went from this beautiful world down to the homeless scene in the state capitol in Sacramento living under a bridge. And what a stark contrast that was. It's a little tearjerker moment in the film. Aw, pussy. You see, <laughs> Aww. You see this I guy. mean, I didn't cry during Barbie, so I can't really talk. You went to Barbie. You shouldn't <laughs> talk at all. So it's sad because you see Chongo. I afterwards. You see Chongo in his moments. Yeah. Loving this valley life. And then the juxtaposition of him, not just under a bridge, it's almost Shawshankian in a way. Okay. He's got a remember the scene in Shawshank when Red gets out of jail and he's bagging groceries and he doesn't know how to live his life because he's used to being an institutionalized man and he thinks about killing himself the way Brooks Hadlin went out where it says Brooks is here and he ropes and he thinks about suicide. It's also accompanied by this amazing music, this piece of music Thomas Newman wrote called Compass and Guns when they show this scene. It's so brilliant and beautiful. Sure. By the way, if you've never listened to the Shawshank soundtrack, Listen to it. I put it on and I write and it's beautiful. But the point is, then we see Chongo back in civilization and he can't blend. It's, it's, it's anathema to his soul being around people and not being around nature. Ah. So it's, it's, it's one of the best moments in this film. Anyway, let's get back to Alex. <laughs> okay. So Alex says a lot of us younger climbers you know, we're coming to terms with the fact that it's just a different lifestyle than it was in the 60s and 70s. When I see footage of the 70s here, it's like Never Neverland or something. It's the Lost Boys. I mean, I can see how uh, it, w- it could have been amazing, but nowadays we have to share it with 4 million other people who come to the park every year. Uh, everybody gets their turn to enjoy Yosemite. And that's fine with me. So I just drive out of the park and sleep on the side of the road outside of the park boundaries because that's what you have to do to stay legal. And that's a compromise I'm willing to make because the important thing is to me is to be able to climb on these walls as much as I can. So as you said, he doesn't waste a camping permit by parking in. He just pulls off outside of the gates, parks, and then goes back in and climbs. So Potter says the Rangers had a plan that if we take down the leader, we'll take down the whole tribe. But no one will stop the dirtbags. No one will stop the stone monkeys. Chongo, 
And the old dads that have come before me really showed me what that spark of an idea and the intention and the willpower is, and you can make it happen. So the next evolution of Yosemite's walls would take climbers to a new direction. And Dean and his fellow monkeys took up the sport of base jumping. Uh, well, base jumping, as you know. That's how you're going to get away from the rangers. Exactly. <clears throat> Climbing's so, too easy. They can wait for you at the top. So here's what they'd start doing. Hey, can't catch me now, copper. They start base jumping, but base jumping's illegal in California. Uh Anywhere, yeah, 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 to my knowledge. Oh, I really? Think you can base jump pretty much anywhere. Huh. Uh, but one of the climbers says, this is the most ideal place to base jump. Yeah. You've got, because they show the rocks. Some yeah. of these rocks have are like diving board formations. Yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful. Then, I mean, and then there's lots and lots of like smaller little runoffs. Oh, yeah. That like, like, like people straight up like will climb... 200 yards yeah and then they'll just stay on that camping like on a ledge yeah that's like pretty big yeah i mean we're talking like the size of a garage probably yeah and it's like you just chill there for the weekend and then have your campfire on there or whatever well who's gonna really fuck with you well the park rangers well but keep in mind climb up and fuck with you the stone monkeys at this point basically become the flying monkeys so <laughs> fly my pretties. So Honnold are like Red Bars fans. Honnold the says, fucking flying monkeys, dude. Everybody base jumps now. Fly my pretties. And it's a great way to get down. Go troll the internet. So not only do you climb the wall, but now we have the skill to fly our bodies off the wall. I'm surprised we don't have more Mexican climb rock climbers. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a wall joke. Okay. Oh, got it. The rangers stake out the base jumpers. No, they try to dig under it. <laughs> They're like, I can't get to the top from here. Well, I just walk around. The maximum sentence if you got get caught base jumping is a $5,000 fine and six months in jail. So okay. base jumping has led to dozens of criminal charges. And you check into Yosemite jail. There's been an incident of tasing. And these tasers, these rangers have, are 50,000 volts. One guy took it right to the back of the neck. There was even a tragic death. Wow. So what happened is this base jumper jumped, and they chased him to the river, and he ran, and he jumped in the river, and he drowned. So it's a big deal. But base jumping still continues. And a climber says, if you're going to base jump in Yosemite you probably want to do it after dawn or just before dusk. So we, we go on a, a mission with a couple of these base jumpers. And they, they keep in mind, dude, they're not just base jumping. They've got the monkey squirrel flying suits now. Yep. Those are crazy, dude. So now they have inflatable ones. Dude, it's nuts. That you fucking, you've, you put on and then you stick a hose thing and yeah. then it inflates it. That's what these guys are doing. Wow. And we see them right at the edge. And they're like, holy shit, I'm about ready to die. And then, you know, they That's just so crazy. They man. just describe it as one of the most intense feelings. And then the problem is you're flying, dude. You once you're flying though, you gotta land. And now you got rangers down there waiting for you. Yeah, but where? Do they know where you're gonna They're land? waiting down there. I guess the base yeah, I mean squirrel suits, you can go. Oh like, yeah. You yes. can go yes. far. So anyway, 
we see these climbers jump off, but that what they do is they have guys spotting on the ground, telling them where the rangers are waiting for them. Right. So of course, then they just deploy and their shoots walkie talkie in the other direction. Now this looks dangerous as hell when you see this. Yeah. What? Because these guys the are squirrel just suits. Yeah. They're yeah, super they're, close to the rocks yeah. and the trees. Yep. And you know, one guy says it's a basic human desire to want to fly. Now that's not true. I mean, yeah, sure it is. For some people. There's fucking, there's pissing and shitting. There's eating, shelter, eating, <laughs> warmth. And then flying. <laughs> flying, wanting to fly for me is probably 30th on my list because I want invisibility. That's like Ooh, number one. You're rapey, dude. <laughs> you're a fucking creeper. Uh, I, I want... What was the other one? Didn't we talk about this besides invisibility? What would you rather have? I mean, what is that? The laser eyes? Or shape-shifting? I'd want to shape-shift. But flying is not up there for me. Shape-shifting is fucking low-key, OP as fuck, overpowered. Because it's better than being invisible because you can be anybody. Well, anyway. Imagine you just come back as Hitler. You just (laughs) shape-shift as Hitler the whole time. Shapeshifting doesn't mean you're going back in time, becoming. No, not, no, not going back in time. I didn't mean to say go back. I mean shapeshifting into Hitler. Well, anyway, let's get back to this. So Potter then developed another form of free soloing, climbing with a parachute, and he decided to call it free basing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> points for that. Yeah, okay, that's pretty good. So now something I've never done with a parachute. I've never done it either. Oh, you mean really freebasing? Yeah. Do you ever smoke crack? No. I smoke crack. Oh, actually, I have. You did? At the accident at the Tinfoil Hat 500. You accidentally smoked crack? Yes, because I fucking met a crackhead in line. Uh-huh. He's like, let's go back, smoke. I went to the car, smoked some herb skis. Yeah. And then uh, I had already done a little snoot, snoot cocaine yeah. already and had an edible. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But the edible hadn't kicked in yet. And then. He's like, hey, you mind if I pull out my rig and start <laughs> his rig? And I thought he's talking about dabs. Well, no, no. When I hear the word rig, I hear I assume needles. Well, see, now it's it's conformed. It's it's changed to right. rig. Okay. As, uh, for dabs. Okay. So I'm thinking he just wants to hit his dab because all I got is flour. Why don't you tell everybody what a dab is? Because my mom's is, listening. The dab a dab is is fucking. It's a uh, 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 oil weed. Yeah, yeah. Concentrated oil. Concentrated weed. Weed. Yeah. And uh, so I thought he's pulling that out. And like, I'm not like paying attention to the pipe that he's got or whatever the fuck he's doing. He's yeah. fucking burning his shit with his torch and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And I'm just smoking and talking to my buddy. And then he passes to me and I hit it and right away realize, oh boy. And I had to miss the show because of it. Because you were just zooted on crack? Zooted. I had to go back to my house. Your crack was probably better than mine because I was just hanging out. I mean, it was out. probably meth. I was hanging out with a cokehead one night. And he was like, have you spilled crack? And I was like, no, dude, no. And he was like, we're making some. And I'm like, what do you mean we're making crack? He's like, you got an oven. You got baking soda. Baking soda. He's like, "Uh, do you have a Brillo pad? And I'm like, I was so coked up. I was like, just do what you're going to do. And then about 30 minutes later, he comes to me. And he's like, I just made crack. Let's smoke it. All right. And I was like, eh, we've gone this far. Now, I didn't get that fucked up. Because I don't think this guy really knew how to make good crack. Yeah. I think he was trying to impress me. Yeah. And then he was also gay. And I was no, I know he was trying to 
He's trying to Obama you. <laughs> he was trying to smoke crack and fuck you. Yeah. So the point is, I smoked his crack. I took a hit from his crack. Yeah, he licked his crack. But I was like, dude, this isn't really any different than snorting it for yeah. me. I didn't get, you know, I didn't get cracked out. Yeah. Anyway. Thank God. Let's get back to uh, Dean. So and now you have a podcast. We see Dean on a mountain and he's under this overhang and it's ridiculous. And he's obviously free soloing this thing and he gets up and then he loses a hold uh, the rock breaks uh, and he just starts flying backwards uh, and then he pulls his free base out and fucking at the last minute pulls it and then you could tell he wants to enjoy the fucking the fall free fall for, and then he rips the cord right before he hits the ground oh like but like quick enough to where yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck with him. but he's a free baser he knows how to do this right. so the interesting thing that they say which is interesting he basically, by practicing freebasing, he's writing a fine legal line. Because if he slips and, wa- and falls and deploys the parachute, he's saving his life, but he's breaking the, wa- the law. So it's interesting uh-huh. to think about it in that way. So you just fake the fall. You climb and then, whoops. <laughs> whoops, I had to. Whoops. So anyway. Um, I'm going to see if I can climb down these rocks so you start from the top uh so let's get back uh to to john long so he says half to almost climbed to 57 and it was the first big wall ever climbed in the world and now 51 years later Hull comes up with the idea of climbing it without a rope and that's sort of the ultimate statement of what's going on and we see alex in that that shirt that you described that green and white checkered thing yeah and he's doing his thing. And Whistling and shit. <laughs> just like it's a normal fucking day. Like he was yeah. like, I just got, you know, I got to go to 7-Eleven after this. Uh, I think I'm going to probably watch a movie later with my girlfriend. Oh, and the best thing, my favorite part about the whole that whole interview uh, at the 60 Minutes one is when like he gets up there, he doesn't give a fuck about the view. No. And, and the girl is like, how's that view up there? He's like, Oh, it's actually pretty good. I'm pretty stoked about that this view. And he just like kind of like half-ass looks at him like he didn't give a fuck about the view. No, I mean I'm telling you, he's got um, serial, serial killer blood. Dude, so he does, dude. yeah, he's got somebody else's blood too, probably. Yeah. So at the end of the film, we meet uh, a new generation of climbers. Lots of Europeans coming in, and you know they're basically just they want to take what the monkeys have done and take it to the next level we also meet a paralyzed man um he's got no legs uh what do they call it? man with paralyzed legs joy <laughs> got no legs at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah he's like that the legs are there but they don't work oh uh, parallel yeah, he's like i'm sean o'neill and i'm here to climb el capitan i got shot when i was a gangster in 93 <laughs> what do you I, think it's little, little chris from I'm, fucking boys in the hood <laughs> i'm here to tell you that gang violence is bad well, what he's done is he's trained and done 500 pull-ups a day just because he's going to go like this the whole no way up on a rope. Way. Yeah. Oh, on rope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's literally just got to do pull-ups the yeah. entire way up the wall because he's got no legs. Yeah. Well, he's got legs. There's Lieutenant Dan legs. Lieutenant Dan no, up. Lieutenant Dan legs were disappeared with CGI. They killed him. Yeah, they they, yeah. they, they took the legs off. So Sausages. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, 
they uh, they also say that the rangers and climbers have kind of mended their fences and they've teamed up to clean the joint up. So every year they do an initiative to clean up the park. It's amazing because they bring in helicopters and they're pulling like telephone wire line off this you know rock that have been there for years because there's a lot of shit on the rock that people just leave you know when they're climbing yeah all this rusted wire so they've really cleaned up the park not just the bottom with trash but like a lot of shit the climbers have left off there so um you know that's uh basically how the film ends uh we see another uh free baser uh, take a, another fall and eject, and it's pretty cool. And then they say, you know, so many climbers have carried the torch in Yosemite's rock climbing revolution, but here's some stories that weren't told in the film, and they named John Muir, the, uh, of course, very famous naturalist um, who spent a lot of time in Yosemite. A guy named Frank Sacker, don't know him. Charlie Porter, don't know him. Beverly Johnson, I do know. She's a very famous climber. You got John Yabo Yablonski, Todd Kinner, Peter Croft, uh, Thomas, and Alex Huber. And that's basically how the film ends. And then they were like, oh, and just so you know, don't forget these guys. And then they just show rows and rows and rows of names of climbers. Oh, cool. Because they couldn't tell everybody's story. Sure. Now, as I already said in part one, man. I wonder how many people went to go watch that. Just be like, hey, watch my names here. Oh, I'm sure they would. There's just I mean, obviously they're also rock climbing fans. So. Yeah, I mean, this is like I said, this is a four star docking for me. Um, it's a must watch. It's it's just so amazing to see people achieve these kind of athletic feats. And you know, I think all of us like the the chuck it all and go on the sailboat. There's that parallel for me that exists Montissier. in rock. Exactly that exists in rock climbing. I think you're. I think you're telling us something by these documentaries. We're watching. What, what do you think? I'm you telling? just want to get away. Oh, do we all do? From all of it. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to get away at all. Okay. I want my computer. So you can play games. online. Yeah. With all my Discord friends. Dave. Yeah. I need to be close to the drug dealers. <laughs> okay. So you don't want to be close to a drug dealer on a two thousand foot ledge. And I'm not so sure edibles and cocaine mix that well with the edge of a ledge. Yeah, by the way, we had a little argument about this this week because you think doing cocaine and edibles is speedballing, which is incorrect. I didn't. I said it's not. I said it's a softer version of that. It's not a softer version of speedballing. Speedballing it, is exactly. smack and coke. There is no softer version than shooting smack and coke. Okay, well, I think there is. <laughs> you think it's doing edibles and coke. Yeah. Okay, well, can we not call it speedballing at least? I never called it speedball. Cool. I said a, I said a name. We should come up with the name right now. Dave balling. Dave balling. Okay, there that's acceptable. Um, I need a Dave ball. Do you think you would watch this documentary? Because last episode, I would. You, I honestly would. So I'm this probably, is a first. I'm probably not going to. Oh, Dave. It, it, here's the thing. Is it free on YouTube? No, it's, it's uh, free with Prime. You said free with Prime. I gotta get there. You just I gotta not just there? get there to do it. What do you mean? Like somebody has I to queue know. it up for no, you? No, I need to be like. First of all, I don't watch shows, right? M- movies. Right. I don't you, watch. You're on the internet. I'm. I'm. I just listen to podcasts. Right. Right. And, and you're and plugged then I go, in and to Discord. And then I plug. And then I go to. And then I'm on Discord all, every day. Yeah. And I go home. Yeah. After work, after a long, hard day's work of yeah. graphic designing and yeah. cataloging images. Yeah. 
And you get baked. I get baked. <laughs> well, I you, get baked during work. And then you play Call of Duty. And I go home and I play Call of Duty. Okay. There's and, nothing wrong with and that. And I'm on just, just, that's it, big chili. Yeah. And fucking, where were we going with this? I was just saying, would you watch this? And then you went on a Oh, yeah. It. That's what I'm saying. Like, so for me to like watch, watch, because uh-huh. I don't watch Dave, all that much. Dave, you that I watch probably five documentaries for every doc I decide to choose to do on yeah, this I show. Yeah, I know. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you're dumb i don't know what to tell you but to be clear this is the first doc you would actually consider yeah 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 this one is but it's still not a yes it's just no it's a lot of like literally if it was on youtube there'd be a probably a 50 percent more chance i would watch it okay just because of the ease of watching right it might i might just in other words this might be something that I catch myself listening to during work and not watching. Yeah, well, but see, that's the thing. The experience I of know, watching this. I know. Oh, man. I mean, I do I, know. I do an amazing job at describing things because that's what I do. Yeah. But there's, I but can't I'm, do it justice. I'm just not there sitting and okay. watching things all that often. That's fair. Well, I want to bring up a couple of notes on some of the big names in this. Remember when I was talking about Warren Harding and he died in 2002 and uh, I said 2022 and you're like, well, that's after the doc came out. He did die in 2002, but that's 78 years old of being a drunk. I think that's still a good run. Yeah. Um, his nickname was Batso. Uh, because it's probably bat shit crazy. Well, it was more of his penchant for spending living uh, days living on vertical cliffs and uh. his exuberant and iconoclastic character. I doubt it. He also did. Wait, wait, you know what? Iconoclastic means rebel, right? Iconoclastic just means like uh, a man of the times. uh, No. Iconoclastic? Yeah, Yeah, an iconoclast is a rebel. It's not just a a rebel. I'd say it's somebody that defines the era. Um, Somebody that, you know, is well known for doing something in a particular time. A person who attacks cherished beliefs and institutions, wow. a destroyer of images used in religious worship. I would say your definition is closer. Re- <laughs> yes. Rebellious. Yeah, re- a rebel, yeah. Okay, good to know. Well, he also developed back So he tense. was a fucking rebel, doggy, an yeah. iconoclast. That's some fucking, fucking Harvard-ass fucking... Anyway, go on. He built... He, I knew it, so it's not Harvard. He created bat tents for sleeping. Ooh, and what bat- are those? Are the ones that just hang? yeah. And bat hooks, and I've actually seen these. So what they are is these little metal hooks, and the hook is maybe three millimeters, hmm. but it goes onto your hands. But that three millimeter hook is for a piece of rock that's only two millimeters, right? And that's what you're hanging on to. So it goes on your fingers. Yeah, but how does a, it like? Is it a glove? It's not a glove. It's a piece of metal. Yeah. But there's a the top piece of the metal. It just has this little like L shape to it, to it, the bottom of the L, and you use those to climb walls with. How do they hold on to your? How do they connect to your finger? I think they they loop into your other three fingers. I've seen them before, hmm. but the the thing is, it's just this oh, tiny piece of I metal. I see. I see. It's not on each finger. No. Oh. But it's so tiny just to grab onto the smallest piece. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. He called it Bat. Basically, absurd technology products. Oh God. He also wrote a book called Downward Bound: A Mad Guide to Rock Climbing. Um, it, where he talks about his ascent of the nose and the uh, the dawn wall, um, and then a humorous rock climbing um, lifestyle that he lived in the 60s and 70s. Um, this is interesting. He was uh, 
what do you call it, rejected by the draft board because they had a heart murmur. And he did work as a propeller mechanic during World War II and was a trained land surveyor and proudly held his union card his entire life. He was also known for his high-pitched voice, um, his hard drinking and fast cars and his greasy hair, and libidinous orientation. Now, there's a word that I had never heard before. Libidinous? It just means you like to fuck. Yeah, li- like for libido, right? Yeah, libidinous. Though. I never heard that word. Libacious. Libidinous. Huh. Um, and then... Um, I guess that's vivacious. This is interesting. On the 50th <clears throat> anniversary of his ascent of El Capitan, the U.S. House of Reps passed a resolution honoring that achievement with his original party. What the fuck does that mean? It means they gave him his own fucking day. They were like, hey... We recognize you did this shit. You know, I'm so glad that's what taxpayer dollars were going. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, When like California did that or the United States. Well, some U.S. representative, probably from California, Mm -hmm. I would assume. Um, Harding is the most notorious tippler in the history of modern rock climbing. Um, uh, He preferred gallon jugs of the very cheapest variant of red wine and named the creaky ledge holding their hammocks, um, Wino Tower. And What does that mean? It means he liked fucking rock out wine, and then he'd store it on the mountain. Oh, <laughs> at, God. At Wino Tower. God. So he, uh, he died in 2002 of liver failure. So... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the wine. He Wasn't the fermented fucking wine sitting on the top of He described himself as a total mess. He hated climbers like Royal Robbins who were superior. He doesn't mean to be. He just is. He's methodic, scientific, capable, and so competent it makes me envious. I was climbing with some hotshot Brit in Yosemite once, and he said, my God, Harding, you can't do anything. And I said, I know, but I can do it forever. Um, yeah. Like I said, man, the guy lived loved, longer than Backer. Loved the booze. Well, yeah, because he because he put enough bolts in the wall. He wasn't fucking free soloing. He just wanted to drink on the side of a ledge of a mountain and look down. It's the way to do it. So, um, um, Ro- Royal Robbins, he wrote uh, two books. He wrote one called Basic Rock Craft and Advanced Rock Craft. And again, he emphasized free climbing skills and clean climbing ethics. That was his whole thing. Right. Um, and then of course he did Royal Robbins, the clothing company. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he got into kayaking later in life because, because yeah. his, body, his body couldn't handle the rock climbing. And then of course we have, uh, Yvonne Chouinard. So he was recently listed as 100 of the most influential people in the world by time magazine as recently as this year. Um, mainly because his, uh, company Patagonia, they pledge one percent of their profits to uh, climate change initiatives and hippie shit like that. Um, he had many notable first ascents uh, with in Western Canada with uh, climber Fred Becky, who is the ultimate dirtbag that they made a doc on Fred called Dirtbag. We're going to cover it later on. Cool, Dan. it's fucking great. Um, <laughs> what else did he do? Um, oh, this is cool. Yvonne created his company. Not pre-Patagonia. He was making steel pitons, and he was selling them to all the guys at Camp 4. So he realized that because they were bad for the environment, he needed to make them out of chrome. 
And, you know, because that old stuff rusted. So, but that's how we started his company, just selling to, to people at Camp Four. Um, and that company uh, later became Black Diamond Equipment, the, the metals and pitons and all that shit. So uh, then we have Jim Bridwell. Oh, man. This guy, after he left Yosemite, he was credited with over 100 first ascents uh, in Yosemite Valley, in addition to all these other places he went. Um, he invented copperheads and bird beaks, um, which is part of aid climbing. And then he retired to Palm Desert until his death Hell yeah. in 2018. Agua Caliente. Yeah, probably chilling out at the casino with those yep. uh, Indian bingo houses. Been there a few times, my he, day. Sadly, he died from complications of hepatitis C, which he acquired. Yeah, from eating food from the trash. No, he got it from receiving a tattoo in Borneo in the 80s. Oh, yeah, Clean needles, everybody. Too. Um, John Long. Who the fuck gets a tattoo in Borneo? Borneo. Borneo. Um, John Long. uh, He's still alive. It's in, um, what do you call it? Southeast Asia? Correct. It's in like, uh, not not Papua New Guinea. It's like um, like near Java and uh, yeah. By Bali, something like that? I don't know. Just fucking fact check us. I think it's near Singapore. Anyway. Okay. uh, John Long. We almost get fucking arrested for chewing gum yeah it's a myth they've blown that shit out of proportion oh well if you throw your gum out yeah you, you don't throw it out you definitely but you could chew it um so john long wrote two seminal photo articles called pumping sandstone and pumping granite and those were featured in climbing magazine and that really brought in a new generation of climbers and helped establish bouldering in general so bouldering really took off because of john long's articles in climbing magazines He's got many first ascents of his own, um, graded from 512C all the way to 513A. Remember how we were talking about the grading system? Yep. Um, So he's pretty famous for uh, a lot of boulder ascents. And then he was a technical advisor on the Rambo movies. Uh, He has his own production company. And his most recent DVD is called Who You Calling Crazy featuring comedian Cat Williams. Who you calling crazy? <laughs> so, that shit deaf. Uh, let's talk about Backer. Backer invented the Backer ladder. Uh-huh. You know what the Backer ladder looks um, like? No, but I would assume it's either A, foldable, or <laughs> B, rope. It's a rope ladder. You yeah. know those things you get at the fair and they're like, hey, climb to the, t- the top and touch the pole? They're like, well, those, is it a single point or is it a double point? I don't know. It's the backer ladder. I just took a quick look at it. So that's how you know how hard it is. If it's so, are you talking about to fool the carnies at the fair? Well, the the carnies try to fool you at the fair. So it's much more difficult if you have, let's say, you have a regular ladder, yeah, rope ladder, yeah, or even a stationary hard one, uh-huh. even if it's a hard one. But where the points connect to the wall. If it's two points, one for each side of the ladder, that's harder. Side, that's easier. Okay, and it's, one because it's stable. it's a one pointer. If it's a one pointer, yeah, on each side, meaning the the, I the point you. at which it's being held at at both sides is fucking hard. That's how the fair does it. That's how the, the fair does know the, that. Yeah, but so there's gotta, always one asshole that's like, I got this. I'm well, a gymnast. You, that, I've seen how to, that's I've seen how to do it. You have to. 
apply pressure on your left foot and your right hand at the and same time, time and then yeah. your left hand and right foot. I bet a cat would have no problem doing it. Well, that's how they balance their weight perfect. No, you always bring no, it back no. to the cats. You're such fucking right. homo. Anyway, John Backer, uh, at his peak, he was able to perform a two finger pull up. Okay? Wow. With with okay, with one finger each or two fingers on one hand? A two finger pull up with twelve and a half pounds of weight in his other hand and two arm pull up. Wow. He did a two arm pull up with over a hundred pounds of weight strapped around his waist. Okay, well that's that's what do you mean? That's insane. Well, well how much does he weigh? Who knows? Probably 140, 150 pounds. That's not, it's crazy. It's well, the bad. two it's finger crazy, pull up is sick. That's Pulling up your body nuts, weight dude. with two fingers. And then 12 pounder in the other hand, doggy. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. man. This guy was legit. That's some Bruce Lee shit. Well, in 81, uh, he posted a note. But see, now they have these boards for that. Yeah. They have these boards that you put on your, on your uh, uh, threshold. Mm -hmm. And then they've got just little holes. Like pegs and yeah. holes, and they've got different millimeter holes, and you just stick your fingers in the holes, and you do uh -huh. pull-ups with that shit. Do you that remember Vision Quest? No, you never ever seen Vision Quest no. with Matthew Modine, where no. he's trying to be the wrestler and beat shoot, and you know those peg things? Yeah, you where you climb yeah. up. Yeah, that was like the hard thing. Yeah, I might have talked about this on a recent episode. I was at a store that had one of those. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna try this. It's it's so much harder than I you couldn't think. get the first peg in. It's so much harder than yeah. you think. Yeah, I mean, I you got to really be tight with it. Exactly, you got to bring your body really tight. tight with but it. I went up one, and then I got to the second one, and then I got off the ground. I was like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, because you, yeah, you got to do it quick too. Wow, you got to have a back that doesn't want to feel oh, like yeah. it's going to break down. But they, those guys squirrel. do it pretty fucking quick. Like, gah, 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 yeah, yeah. Gah, gah, and they're already in. Yeah, it's badass. Anyway, he he once posted a note in 1981 promising a $10,000 reward for anyone who could follow him in one day. No one took the challenge. Hey, what? For what? He he posted a note oh, at the bottom oh, of the hill oh, and I said, I'll give you 10 grand if anybody can follow me. And uh, Like free solo? Yeah. Everybody wow. declined him. Obviously. Um, Ron Kauk, uh, who was close to associate with Camp 4, um, he put up Midnight, Midnight Lightning, which is a V8, one of uh, America's best-known bouldering problems because of its difficulty and its location in Camp 4. So See, again, these are the numbers that I'm familiar with, the V systems. Okay, so... V8s, I couldn't even do a V1. Oh, really? I couldn't do them. So V must be for boulder, I'm guessing. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the, the system they use in the in indoor climbing things. Oh, uh, okay. I couldn't even do the V1s, dude. Yeah, it's... Only the V0s. It's crazy it's fucking hard i have no upper body strength it's all i'm all lower body strength. well calc uh in addition to training with sylvester salone um for cliffhanger he uh doubled as michael rooker in um cliffhanger and he also trained tom cruise for the climbing scene in mission impossible 2 in the very beginning which oh, okay. is a, I, an amazing I like opening the, yeah. shot. I like the glasses too. And yes, the, the, the glasses, glasses pretty, shoot can, down. Yeah, I like that. That shot. was directed by John Wu, if I recall. But I do remember that shot where he's got a he's got his arm stretched yeah, out, and yeah, then he has yeah. to flip around. Yeah, and then he does that knee thing, you know, where he's resting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Before he does it, so that was all choreographed by Kalk, I'm assuming. Um, Lynn Hill. This was interesting. She dated John for a while. And they talk about being so poor that they, uh, she was working dead-end jobs in Vegas as a pizza, pizza waitress just so they could afford to climb. So 
Um, she was a vicious athlete. Um, John talked her into uh, bench pressing 150 pounds, which is a world record at the time. But when she got to the competition, she froze up. Uh, wasn't able do to mean? do it. Oh, she just couldn't do it. Yeah. But she won all these awards, Damn, all those free climbing or sport climbing awards in the 80s. She took them all. Like she was, nobody could beat her um, in sport climbing. Now, Dean, Dean did die in a wingsuit flying accident oh, in Yosemite oh, that, in 2015. That must have been horrific looking. Yes. Uh, <sighs> in 2015, with Graham Hunt, uh, he died attempting a proximity wingsuit flight from Taft Point above Yosemite. The route they were attempting, which they'd flown before, required them to clear a small notch in a rocky ridge line. Okay. Hunt hit a sidewall during the flight while Potter cleared the notch before crashing. crashing. Both, wait, wait. So they both crashed? They both died on impact. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and they were not attached to each other? No. Right? No. Wow, they just both got clipped on the same thing? Yeah. And wow, wait, no, on the same one, they both... Same flight. No, no, I mean, like, did they both get clipped at the same, like, on the same obstacle? Well, it says... It says, no, he cleared it, it one. It says this. Hunt hit a sidewall during the flight while Potter cleared the notch before crashing. Both died on impact. So Hunt, sidewall, Potter, I wonder if one hit notch. the other. It could have been. Oh, but man. neither of their uh, parachutes were deployed. That's crazy. I wonder if one saw the other one go down and just fucked his whole mental it thing up. And very just... could have. Well, yeah. Oof. Well, in 2015, that brought the total number of base jumping deaths in all U.S. national parks to five. Ah. So to answer your question for it the was, last episode, yeah. it's not as many. Eight. Now, this is interesting. I did... Uh, a search on base jumping deaths and there's many deaths probably a good 65 and they go all the way back until 1960 and then there's one from 1912 and it, the first base jumping death was a guy that went on the eiffel tower and had a wingsuit and base jumped and died <laughs> so there was a gap from like 1910 to 60 where 50 years. Good. Yeah, because nobody invented any better suits. They're like, ah, that guy's <laughs> fucking died. Fuck that. Well, I want to talk about something that Dean did that's somewhat controversial. Do you, do you know Delicate Arch? It's one of the most famed no. arches in the world from Arches National Park in southern Utah, outside nope. of Moab. Nope. I've been there. It's gorgeous. Well, at the time, he was sponsored by Patagonia. And he said, there wasn't any legal reason for me not to climb it. So there had been a well-established tradition forbidding climbing named features in the park. Well, the incident resulted in a blanket ban on the activity within Arches National Park. And Potter had previously created conflict with park authorities by slacklining between the three gossips. And he said, I didn't see any moral reason not to climb it. I didn't hurt it. Wait, so you're not supposed to climb the things that were named correct if they have names it's kind of like a no-no for uh, all climbing or just there well maybe just <clears throat> in arches national park hmm. so he said i didn't hurt it though rope grooves in the soft sandstone were later found possibly created or enhanced by the professional photographers potter brought along to publicize the climb 
Potter said he would not climb totem pole, the spire and monument valley that Navajo imbued with religious significance. Delicate Arch, despite its prominence, it's even included on the Utah license plates, did not have the stature of the sacred Arizona tower. He said, I didn't see a reason why it's wrong, why we shouldn't mesh with nature. Uh, An account said, at first, Potter's handler at Patagonia spread the word of his climb by calling the Salt Lake Tribune. Well, public outrage was immediate, especially in Utah. Rats. Nah, see, I'm leaning more on the, the, the side that you don't fuck with this stuff, especially if it's a national park and it's sandstone and it's literally gonna erode over time. This isn't like granite. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember those Boy Scouts like five years ago? They went on a trip and the camp leader was like, hey, kids, let me show you this. And it was one of those rocks where it's top heavy and then it comes down like an hourglass and it's just being held up by this tiny piece of... Okay. Well, he pushed it over and got it on camera. And then I think he was later fined and maybe did jail time for doing something like that. The point is I lead to what my grandfather said. You leave it as you left it. You don't take anything off the trail. It's just it's just not kosh. You're not taking anything off. You're just Well, I mean You're removing everything. Yeah, but you're fucking it up. I mean, your your trails fuck nature up too. I mean, come on. Okay. Well no, whatever. Anyway, rest in peace, Dean. Um yep. so we've been having, pieces. <laughs> we've been having this discussion. He'd probably laugh at that. About <laughs> climbing and how the roots are established. Hey, by the way, is yeah. Dean short for anything? Dean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. That's a good question. Deenton? <laughs> Deenled? Um, Deenty Moore? I don't know. Oh, no. So we need to talk about red pointing. Okay. In rock climbing, mm-hmm. red pointing means to free climb a route from the ground to the top while lead climbing. After, practiced, after you practice the route, either by hang dogging. Now that's when you're on a rope yeah. and you're using the rope to support Pu- your weight. Right. Or top roping. That means you're somebody's at the top with the, throwing exactly. the rope down. Or, or after having failed first attempt, i.e. falling or resting on the rope for artificial aid. So climbers will try to red point a route after having failed to on-site it, free climb the route on the first attempt with no falls and no prior information. This is the information you were talking about. Or they can flash it, meaning free climb the route on the first attempt with no falls, but with prior information. The first successful red point of a route in the absence of any prior on-site or flash is recorded as an FFA or a first free ascent. So climbers can rest during a red point ascent, but they're not allowed to use the rope or artificial aids but they can knee bar, you know, Yeah. where you're using the rock to support. Yeah. So where the climber falls during an attempted red point ascent and thus are, uh, and are thus hanging off the rope, they must then return to the very bottom of the climb, pull their rope free of the route and completely restart the ascent from scratch. Hmm. This is also known as climbing route clean. So, Although it should not be confused with the broader topic of clean climbing, the first climber to complete a red point 
of a route in the absence of any prior on-site or flash of a route can claim to have made the first free ascent of that route. And then they get to name the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It's very... It's like finding a meteor. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, exactly. You find Not a meteor, meteor then yeah, you name it. Meteorite or meteor. But I was curious to know yeah. what the uh, what the highest or route, highest, um, you know, climb is. Yeah. Or hardest. And there's, there's probably these really, I know, I know there's a couple really short ones in Arizona, really hard, short ones in Arizona or Utah. Well, I gave you shit earlier and I teased you a little bit, but as of December 22, the world's hardest red pointed route is called silence. Okay. It is a proposed grade of nine C 5.15 D and was climbed by Adam Onder in 2017. It is yet to be repeated. There are a number of routes with a grade of 9B plus, 5.15C, the first of which was changed are we by... Are climbing or are we starting a nonprofit See, here? That's what I don't understand. There's the 9C and then in parentheses, it's like the 5.15 or whatnot. One probably has to do with the grade. The other one probably has to do with something else. Or yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, um, if you want to go climb the toughest rock, it's that one. Where is that? It's in Norway. <clears throat> What's the hardest one in the United States? Do you know? I don't know. Off Let's the top find of out. My head. Continue. Okay. And then um, as of December 2021, female climbers Angela Eiter, Laura Ragora, and Julia Shan- Chinordi have red pointed established routes at 9B, parentheses 5.15B, and Ragora's ascent of Erebor is considered to be the first potential female red point of a 9B. Slash plus. There you go. Interesting. What'd you find out? Um so it looks like some so it looks like five five point one five B. Uh the hardest climb in the United States is five point one five B. That is oh, it's actually called the Yosemite Decimal System. Oh, okay. So that's where this whole system Here, grows. Five it's like the Dewey class- Decimal System, but cooler. Yeah. Um, we're, we're ending this one on a Brooke, fucking banging note, aren't we? Put up a, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. Oh, Le Rev. Le Rev is 5.14D to 5.15A. Flex Luther, which is in Colorado. For Arrow, okay, Arrow, Arrow Canyon, Nevada. Le Rev. 5.15D 5.15A. Okay. Flex Luther, 5.15A. That's in Colorado. That's a cool name. Jaws 2, 5.15A. Runway, uh, Rumney, New Hampshire. This is the small little rock I think Hanel did. It looks familiar. Well, I do know that Adam, Jumbo Love. Adam Andra. So, hold on. Clark Mountain, California. Okay. Let's see if there's any in uh, if there's any in Yosemite. Oh, there's none. There's none. There's none. none? none of the top five. Not even Midnight Lightning? None of the top five are, are in Yosemite. That's crazy. Well, it was interesting because Adam Andre described why he called the climb silence. Well, he'd repeatedly gone back to this location for years to establish this. And after he finished it and finally did it, he thought his initial reaction was going to scream with joy. And he said he had the opposite effect because it was so profound going through this process. And he was, he was, Silence. I wonder so what the hardest silence. part of that thing is. Probably some kind of jump you got to make. Yeah, maybe. We're going to talk about jumps when we call it, we discuss, uh, 
talk about uh, Tommy Caldwell and his partner when they yeah. uh, climbed the Dawn Wall. Yeah. <laughs> but that'll be an episode for uh, mm. for uh, future. Ultimate cliffhanger. We, uh, we're going to conclude this episode. Yay. Uh, first of all, we'd like to uh, thank uh, our sponsor, Broccoli Farms. We appreciate your help. And more importantly, we appreciate your listeners for putting up with this. Uh, we don't take days off. We might nope. be a day late because we have back injuries. Technically, I have uh, 30 minutes to be a day late. But old Cali Rips mm. and my partner, the Iron Horse, Yep, we are here to deliver. Yeah. So I want you guys to know. UPS. You're never going to go without an episode. Never. <laughs> Unless I leave. <laughs> more importantly, if you do love the show, give us a shout out on Twitter at Down on the Docks. Yep. Or on Instagram at Down on the Docks Pod. And if yep. you have a suggestion, you're more than free to email us at downonthedocks at gmail.com with that suggestion. That being said, we thank you for your time. We enjoyed creating this podcast. We hope you enjoy it as well. We'll see you next week. And Dave, special, <laughs> special heads up. Beanie Babies next week. Yeah. We're gonna tie. talk Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. TY. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs>